0: Uh, I'd like to give a, uh, a update on my situation because inquiring minds have not only wanted, kn- wanted to know, but have asked, uh, I am w- here with the lights on and I am not in my sleepy shirt. I'm actually in the very old throwback ATP watch sport edition, Whoa. which you cannot get anymore, but it's my favorite workout shirt because it's like kind of sort of under armor sort of material. Um, and so it's like a little stretchy and plasticky, which is good for a workout shirt. And so anyway, I, um, I am wearing that with the lights on. And if you wanted to get some sort of sweet ATP merchandise, I can tell you that now is the time to do it. Like literally <laughs> right now. Because as we record, there's a little over a week left. Or, no, I'm sorry, less than that. Less than a week. Less than a week. Just like a couple of days. Four days, left. right? Yeah. Yes. I, I almost got my wires crossed there. There's uh, just a couple of days left for you to go to atp.fm/slash store and get yourself some sweet, sweet ATP merch. We've got uh, new Mac Pro Outline shirts with or without wheels and all sorts of other stuff uh, we do not have mugs a lot of people have asked about mugs we don't have those at the moment we'll probably do those again maybe next year or something but we have a lot of great shirts we've got the hoodie which is extremely comfortable we've got the classic six colors atp shirt all sorts of good merchandise at atp.fm store now here's where i do the hard sell Every single time, somebody, <laughs> not in a funny way, a lot of people do it in the funny way, oh, is it too late to order? <laughs> Which is fine, whatever, I've, I've, I've made this bed, now I get to sleep in it.
1: But That's the laugh for a truly funny joke, when you get that exactly, laugh. <laughs>
0: exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, every time somebody, non-ironically, non-sarcastically, tweets at us, at me, at somebody, and says, oh, is it too late? yes. There are no exceptions. It will be too late if you do not go now <laughs> to atp.fm slash store. Now is the time.
1: And you listeners, you might think that Casey's making this up or that 100% of the people who say that are being sarcastic. I guarantee you every time there is like one or two people at least who honestly, like totally not sarcastically say, oh my God, please, I missed it. Like, can you, are you able to send me one more shirt or something like that? Like it, it always happens every time.
0: Yep, every single time. So, you might be thinking to yourself, I have a great memory. I know I can't do it right now. Maybe I'm driving. Maybe I'm walking. Maybe I'm just not at my computer, and I'd rather do it on a a full-size computer. And and you may think you have a good memory. Every time somebody says, Oh, no! I forgot. (laughs) Every single time. Don't be that person. Don't be that person. If you're driving, pull over. If you're walking, especially in, like, Manhattan or something, get to the side. Don't just stop dead. That's not cool. Get to the side do what you got to do. Use your phone, use your iPad, you use your, your computer, do whatever you got to do to go to ATP.fm slash store. Because as we record this, which is on the 11th, the afternoon of the 11th, you have three more days. So please everyone ATP.fm slash store. Now's the time. And, marco would you mind reminding me what the situation is if you happen to be an atp member
1: oh yes if you happen to be an atp member you can go to your member panel on atp.fm and you can get a coupon code that will give you 15 percent off our merchandise Uh, so that's a yet another reason to become a member if you want to become a member just use this code once and then cancel your membership you totally can that's totally a thing We hope you don't, but you can, and hey, no judgment.
2: And there's still time to do that, by the way. And uh, I I wanted to put in uh, uh, my uh, warning for the second-order effect of missing the sale. Very often uh, what happens is somebody who listens to the show has someone in their life who would like to get them some ATP merch for, say, the holidays or whatever, but they don't listen to the show, so they don't know when the sale happens. So if you're listening to the show and you think there's someone in your life who wants to get you a gift, and you would like to get one of these gifts, you have to basically go and tell them, uh, hey, if you're thinking of gift ideas for me, you should get something from this store that's closing on the 14th. So hurry up. You should have actually honestly done this a long time ago. If you've been leaving hints, if you've been trying to be subtle or whatever, it's time to cut that out. (laughs) No more subtlety is allowed. You have to say, look, if if you haven't already bought me something and you're going to get me something, I would like and then just point to the shirt that you want or the pin that you want or the hoodie that you want or whatever and say, and by the way, this sale ends on the 14th. So order now, because we get email from those people too, that say, Oh, is the store open? I don't listen to the show, but, uh, you know, my husband or wife listens to the show and I know they would love this, but, uh, it seems like your store is closed. Can I get this stuff before the holidays? Once the store is closed? No, you can't. So do it now.
0: Yeah. We're not sure if it'll make it in time for the holidays. I don't want to make any guarantees in that regard, but It certainly won't make it in time for the holidays if you don't order. So, atp.fm slash store. Thank you.
1: I am holding in my hand right now my product red iPhone 12 mini. Wait, what? How? Leather case.
0: Oh, I was going to say, I walked right into that. You (laughs) walked right. I should. you, You would think I'm a professional podcaster. But is it red? It's black, I thought.
1: Oh, no, but I have the Apple case, too. You're talking about the one that you got. I also got the Apple one.
2: Oh, that's right. Okay. Never mind. Yeah. confusion over it we don't have time to do case reviews in this episode this is an apple event episode but rest assured next episode in the notes uh i'll certainly be reviewing the cases that i've got by then marco will you have your phone by then i don't know maybe so <laughs> the way things work here my
1: phone is going to be delivered on friday to a ferry terminal and if it gets delivered past about 9 30 in the morning which it almost certainly will then i won't get it till the next day they're closed on the weekends. So <laughs> oh, no. I'm probably not going to get it until Monday.
0: <laughs> Man, Can you like loiter at the ferry terminal all day just to, <laughs> just to intercept the package when it arrives? They would probably let me do that,
1: but I'd rather not. That seems a little bit excessive. And? Uh, so yeah, I, I will get my phone a few days later than everybody else. Granted, I have done weirder things to get my phone on launch day, but I this year I'm a little bit uh, more chill about it, I think.
0: So you got a Mini for yourself. Remind me what model you were planning to and now have bought.
1: Uh, I did everything John said I would do. <laughs> <laughs> so I got the iPhone twelve mini in red, slash orange, slash salmon, slash coral, whatever the whatever it really is, in that color. Uh I got the two fifty six instead of the one twenty eight because John was telling me in my head, just get the two fifty there's no way you're gonna get the one twenty eight. And I thought he's probably right. So
2: yeah. <laughs> Don't try to blame me for doing what you were gonna do. Yes, I predicted it correctly, but I didn't make you do it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and, and easily enough, like it was, it, you know, the store opened up a couple minutes later than it, it should have, but um, I got mine for day one delivery. Tiff, at the same time, was ordering her Pro Max Blue for day one delivery, and there were no problems getting either one of them on time. And I think even a few hours after sale, uh, uh, I think they were still available for day one delivery. So it seems like this was actually very well stocked compared to uh, previous iPhone launches. And I, I,
2: especially I'm surprised that the
1: Max stayed in stock that well. Uh, but here we
2: are.
0: Well, that's excellent.
2: Well, I mean, these are the two lower demand models, right? It's the most expensive model, which has historically lower demand than the less expensive models. And then the small one, which as much as the people who want it really want it, is not the way the industry is trending. So it doesn't surprise me that they were able to uh, keep things in stock.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting, like, you know, looking at the iPhone 12 mini as, quote, the small one, you know, typically the, the smallest Apple product in a lineup is the most successful sales wise. But that's almost always because it's the cheapest. And it turns out the cheapest thing of any Apple product lineup is the most successful sales-wise. <laughs> and in this case, the iPhone SE is the cheapest. The iPhone 12 mini is the smallest. And it seems like whatever like big demand there is for the small phone is mostly about the cheap phone. And that seems to get most of it. And, and so it'll be interesting to see if the mini actually succeeds like as a major product, that they will continue. I sure hope it does, because I'm telling you what, like seeing this case... I mean, yeah, there's no phone in it yet, but like seeing this case next to my uh, 11 Pro, I'm really excited about this.
0: Yeah, I think we uh, we did reach a gentleman, gentleman's agreement that you will not discuss that phone on this program at all, or with me in any capacity. I don't want to get an <laughs> iMessage, I don't want to get a Slack DM, I want nothing, because... I do really love my 12 Pro. I really, honestly do. And I was using the telephoto lens just yesterday, but <laughs> as was I. <laughs> but
1: <laughs> every time uh, I think, "Oh crap," I'm using yeah. this thing more than I thought.
0: But I I am having some serious FOMO about the Mini, and I I don't even know. But a couple of people that have you know gotten press you know or not press copies um uh, you know, seated pre released uh, phones, and I'm already getting jealous and and getting scared that I'm going to kind of wish I, I got that one. So we agreed <laughs> that uh, you're never going to talk <laughs> about it. Great.
1: Oh, yeah, right, because I forgot also between our last show and now, the press reviews all dropped for the Mini and the Max.
0: Mm-hmm. I've only read Gruber's so far, but it sounds very, very good.
1: Yeah, the, the the gist of all the reviews has been pretty consistent with one exception. The the gist is basically that the Mini is awesome, except that it gets a little bit less battery life than, than the medium-sized ones, which is to be expected, I think. Um, and that the Max is really big and really heavy and the camera is either awesome which is what most people are saying or only a little bit better which is what a few people like NPBHD said Um, so it's kind of it seems like the the gain that you get from that bigger sensor in the max is there but it's only noticeable in certain challenging circumstances like low light and stuff where the you know the daylight pictures and and well-lit pictures you you pretty much can't tell a difference um, but that is, you know, certainly if I was a person who was at all interested in a big phone, I would get it because there is a difference and it, when you need it, it is great. Uh, but I <laughs> like a few times during this ordering period, I've picked up Tiff's Max and I just every time I'm like, no, I, I can't do this.
0: <laughs> yeah, I haven't, I haven't held a Max in my hand in a long time, but certainly anytime I have, I've been like, oh, this is not for me. And I mean, if it's for you, that's fine. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just it is not for me, not at all.
1: I think what it mostly comes down to is, like, do you keep it in a pants pocket? And do you need to use it one-handed very often? And if the answer to both of those is no, it's a pretty good sell to get the max. Because it is the best in most ways. Uh, But if you do keep it in a pants pocket and or use it one-handed frequently, it's it's challenging.
0: Yeah, you know, interestingly, I haven't read... um really any of the reviews other than Gruber so far or watched any of the videos, but I saw a flyby, maybe one of you guys retweeted it, I don't recall, but I saw fly by a flyby, a, a tweet from Nilay Patel, who said, here's why I think MKBHD and I had different reactions to the 12 Pro Max camera. I take a lot of photos of a toddler. For any given light, the Pro Max will generally pick a higher ISO and faster shutter speed, which makes a big difference when your subject never sits still, which, not having any experience with this myself, that m- does make sense, and and it certainly is another you know notch in the belt of why one would want a Pro Max Max, but again, every time I picked it up, I would just get nauseous and I wouldn't want to do it.
2: You know, there was an Apple event, and you two, even though there's no follow up, are just talking about the iPhone Pro Max. If you notice below the Apple event in our notes, there's a whole section on the Max and the Mini where there are things about the Max, and then Marco's going to talk about the Mini. But if you want to do it now, that's fine because I have some tweets about the Pro Max as well. Notes? Uh, Matt Panzerino <laughs> said that the telephoto lens actually gets the 5,000 uh, adjustments per second uh, image stabilization. That's something that Apple didn't mention, but it's the lens stabilization, not the, uh, the sensor shift stabilization. So it's an increase in number of moves per second, um, not, you know, not the sensor shift that's in the, the main lens. And the other thing he said is that the ISO range of the wide lens, the, the 1x lens, um, is larger, which allows for uh, faster shutter speeds with wide apertures. Uh, and he mentions the same thing as Daniel tell did, that, uh, that moving subjects in iffy light, is uh, it's a big jump in quality. But if you don't have something that's moving, you won't notice that there was a faster shutter, and then you won't notice that you get less blur.
1: Yeah, it also seems like one of the major improvements for the Maxis camera system is in night mode and any kind of long exposure situation, because the sensor is pulling in a lot more light... You have to have sh- you can have shorter exposures. So night mode, the, what this results in is you can you can have like less time. You have to hold still while taking the picture, which will almost always result in a better and sharper picture. So that's that's pretty nice. If you do a lot of night mode, it's a, it's kind of a no brainer. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I feel like a lot of these these reviewers who didn't notice anything about the camera, if you put the camera on a tripod and take a picture in good light, I mean, you're not going to notice much of a difference. And even in bad light, if it's, you know, it's a very stable shot or you don't have moving subjects, like, if you look at the pictures people tend to test with, it's like, you know, here is uh, my parking lot at night outside of my YouTube studio. <laughs> uh, here is, that's a very popular one. Here is a beautiful person smiling and staying very still, Right. But no one's trying to catch a toddler. In, like,
1: studio lighting.
2: (laughs) Right, exactly. You know, or even if it's in low light, like, here's someone outside under a tree at night in the dark, but they're not a little kid running around, right? And so that's where I feel like you have to, like, pulling up stats like Panzer did to say, what is the ISO range? I'm assuming he pulled that out of, like, Halliday or some other app that that gives that information. Um, You know, and seeing, like, looking at the picture after it was taken and say, how long was this shutter open for this shot versus how long was the shutter open for this similar looking shot on another iPhone, right? So... Obviously it's not a night and day difference if people can't tell immediately, but the difference does exist and it, it, uh, it manifests itself in the way that you would think it would manifest itself given the actual physical changes where, you know, larger sensor, larger pixels, you know, all all that stuff. It's not going to like, it's not going to suddenly make it look like a, you know, quote unquote real camera because it's still a tiny little camera in the back of the phone, but the sensor is a little bigger and you can hold the shutter open a little bit less time to get adequate light. And that's only going to manifest in situations where that difference makes a difference.
1: Yeah, two things. Number one, if there's no question, this camera is a big difference in certain circumstances, and if they somehow sold this camera in the mini, I would pay any price they wanted for that. Uh, but it's <laughs> but it's a much bigger camera system. It and would make
2: it would make the mini much bigger.
1: Yes, but well, it would make the bump much bigger. I mean, maybe not the body of the phone, but would yeah,
2: make the battery even smaller because you'd be squeezing. You gotta. Eh, I might take know. that,
1: uh, but but yeah. So that's part one, and and if they put that same camera system in the medium sized pro. I would probably have stuck with the pro line, um, but number two, is it really pronounced
2: Halliday or is this a Bazzell situation?
0: Oh, I was just about to say I thought it was Halide, but I'm not convinced I'm right.
2: Hal- halide, yeah, Halide is how you pronounce it. Sorry, I didn't. I <laughs> I, I pronounced the cor- I correctly pronounced the word that I saw in my head, but I realized that's not what the app is called, is it? Uh.
0: All right, we have just a spot of follow up. Uh, Jeff Nado, no, works. no, we're not. T- it's an Apple event episode. Oh my god, people!
2: It's there. <laughs> do, we need, do we need to have pre-show? This is what we need to do. Like people don't know this, but before we put on the live stream, we often talk to each other. Oh, do we have anything we need to discuss? No. Apparently, I'm going to new rule. We always have something to discuss, which is John is going to tell you how the show goes.
0: <laughs> Today is an Apple event show.
2: There is no follow up. I allowed Casey to have one pre Apple event item just because I didn't know what it was and it looked like it might be funny. So Casey. Casey, if you would scroll down to topics, yes, you will see I know. Yes,
0: yes, yes. Casey okay.
2: had an oops. Yes. Hopefully okay, your oops does not take 45 minutes. If it does not take 45 minutes, you may now describe your oops.
0: Have we met, John? This will absolutely take 45 minutes. So uh, Aaron's car has murdered another Apple device of mine. Uh, I was washing her car the other day, and I was on a ladder this time. If you recall, my 11 Pro, uh, which coincidentally I just got repaired uh, to put in cold storage because I had AppleCare on it, so why wouldn't I repair it? But anyways, um, because it was scratched to smithereens, that is. Anyways, uh, so the 11 Pro, when I had f- first got it, literally the day I got it, I was washing Aaron's car for reasons that are uninteresting, and I was in a rush because like the the daylight was fading. I was trying to get into the kids and into Aaron and her car. As an SUV, and so I jumped up to um, just quickly take a swipe at the roof. I don't remember if I was washing or drying at this point, but um, but I had the phone in my back pocket, which I never ever do. This again was a year ago, and it all of a sudden, as I landed, I heard something hit the concrete of my driveway and thought, "Oh no!" And so, literally within twelve hours of receiving my Eleven Pro, it was it had a shattered back glass, which is. Even with AppleCare, considerably more expensive than repairing the front glass. So anyway, uh, just the other day, I was washing Aaron's car and I was on a ladder this time. I was doing, you know, taking my time. I was in no rush. Everything was going well. And I was, I believe I was washing at this point. I was not drying yet. And I was swiping across the roof. And by some miracle, in a way that has never happened to me in the however many years I've owned Apple Watches, I swiped at the or like the bottom of my wrist clipped the roof rack, and I watched the Apple Watch This is a series five, mind you, I still haven't bought a series six yet. I, I watched it roll down her windshield across the like top of the fender and hit the cement. And sure enough, I picked it up and it <sighs> now has a little shatter in the upper left-hand Wait, corner. was
2: it on your wrist?
0: Mm-hmm. So it like unsnatched...
2: What kind of band was it?
0: Mm, Solo Loop. No, no, no. It's Series 5. I, so, I know,
2: but Solo Loop would have saved you, right?
0: Oh, that's a good point. I see. I mis- I did not get your point at first. Uh, yeah, you're right. It would have saved me.
2: <laughs> your, your call
0: is like Apollo Robbins. It removed the one from <laughs> <laughs> on your wrist. <laughs> <What the hell? laughs> well done. Uh, yeah, so I, honest to God, have no idea how this happened. I, I've never in my... You know what five six years whatever it's been of owning apple watches and wearing them literally every day basically all day long i have never done something where the watch just catapulted right off my my, off my wrist and so i swiped the bottom of my wrist against the roof rack in some particularly perfect way that it just went catapulting right off my wrist so it is not unusable but every time i look at it i die a little bit inside and this is not news to basically anyone except me. Do you gentlemen know how much it costs to repair the Series 5 watch just to get the display fixed? The thing that's $30 if you have AppleCare on a on an iPhone. And I think it's like 100 bucks if you don't. Do you have any idea how much it is on an Apple Watch?
2: And I'm surprised they repair those things at all because I've seen the process
0: of repairing them. <laughs> well, just wait.
2: Yeah, it's like what can, you know, it's we make this joke about laptops like when you open them up like once you've opened them up once it's hard to really get them back together quite the same way but with the watch when you see what's in there can you imagine opening that up and there's so many things that are glued that you have to heat up and then re-glue it's like why are they even bothering they should just use the broken one for parts or like you know just disassemble it or i don't know what they could do with it but like actually taking it apart to repair some part and then putting it back together so that it stays together seems to me that it's Perhaps a money losing proposition, but go ahead. How much was
1: Jeez, it? Geez, John, this was supposed to be a fast intro. It's an Apple event. I know. show What are you doing? Oh. Oh,
2: I, I, well, I, get, I let him have the oops. I let him have one oops because it's fun to hear about him breaking things, and it's <laughs> oh, less exciting next week. But
0: uh, it is three hundred and fifty dollars to repair this watch. Oh, that's not bad.
1: Yeah, that makes sense because it's basically re- it's basically full replacement to do any kind of repair for an Apple Watch because, yep. like you know, the, the the parts and stuff inside. I think maybe you might be able to inexpensively and easily replace the battery, but that would be a about it at most because like most repair at this scale is effectively you replace it and you send the old one to refurbishing because it's just so hard to service. And mm-hmm. as discussed in previous episodes, what you can refurbish out of an Apple watch is not much because typically, especially first party manufacturer refurbishing, you typically don't refurbish the case. Uh, or any like anything that people can touch for various sanitary and aesthetic reasons, um, and and so think about oh, and usually you don't refurbish batteries either because you just replace them and recycle the old one, and so you figure like how much of the Apple Watch is the exterior and the battery, and then how much is the actual refurbishable part on the inside? It's it's very little.
0: Yeah, it, so, yeah. It, I mean, it's it's fine. I was planning on getting a, a new one anyway. I, I would rather not have murdered this one, <laughs> but you know it's 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 frustrating, but it's not the end of the earth. But Golly, three hundred and fifty dollars to replace the screen on this thing, and for all the reasons that both of you said, like I, I'm not saying that's wrong or or it's not it's not reasonable, but holy smokes, that is that is a lot of money to replace this thing. And as it turns out, a new one, a new Series Six, I think starts at four hundred bucks if you get the small one, like I do.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. But I mean, look at it this way. This is an excuse to get the new watch, which you always want every year. You always want an that's excuse, true. and here you just you just popped off an excuse. So here we here we go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's the thing. And I and I wish I could tell you this was all some, you know, some master plan to just back my way into getting a new one. But I actually had planned on already having a new one on my wrist at this point. And it's funny you say that about the solo loop, John, because I guess that would have saved me. But um but no, I just hadn't gotten around to it because I'm so frustrated by the order process for because I'm a petulant whiner and so uh anyways i am i'm going to order one sometime in the next day or two but i I couldn't help but realize that aaron's car has now murdered both a phone and a watch and lesson learned never wash your car
1: is it the car's fault when it causes problems to happen when it is not being operated or moving (laughs) Uh, i don't know (laughs) it's like if you if you like ride your bike into a parked car and you get hurt like is that the car's
0: fault like i don't i don't know we're going to go with yes, because otherwise then I have to feel even more responsible than I already do. And I don't want that. <laughs> All right. So uh, I guess we have to talk about some stuff that happened yesterday or else John is going to explode. Is that how this works?
2: Yeah. you may. Yeah, I think you've cut into your time to talk about the glorification of Apple Park. I think you've lost <laughs> the ability to talk about the, the celebrities that were shown. I think right, you've fine. lost the ability to talk about uh, John Turnus's big pitch about Apple Silicon and how great they are. And I think we actually have to dive right into the M1
0: all right well let's do it tell me about the m1 john let's start with the sidetrack
2: from the m1 because we have time for that yay um man it's good to be the king isn't it john my <laughs> word yeah well I, I sacrifice i sacrifice pre-show <laughs> i take things that i cut them out of fault i move them down i compress anyway now my sacrifices pay off um, and i didn't break any of my hardware so i didn't have any loops to talk about um oh, gosh. so uh, this is a call for listeners because um uh, we're bad, and we should really have full-text search of our episodes, but we don't. And I have a terrible memory. I can never remember when we talked about something. On some past episode of ATP, it could have been literally years in the past, someone, probably Casey, said, Hey, what do we all think? Place your bets. What do you think the name of Apple's you know, ARM chips for the Mac will be? Will it just be the A-series? Will it be X-something? Will it be M-something? Everybody place your bets. And all of us chimed in and said, I think it'll be this, I think it'll be that. I would love to know what we all said and which one of us is right, but I have no idea when we talked about that. So if you know, please write in and tell us. Don't guess. Send us a timestamp link in Overcast so you can be super cool. Um, if nobody knows, <laughs> then no, then it'll remain a mystery. It's not a big deal. i was just wondering. Anyway, the reason that comes up is because when we were discussing what they're going to call, you know, the the new series of chips in, uh, you know, Apple's ARM-based Macs, when we talked about them being called M, we said, oh, but also isn't Apple has already kind of used M with the m7 apple motion coprocessor that they included in the uh, something or other i gotta look it up 5s i believe yeah anyway and they've incremented that number apparently like the m8 was in the phone after than the m 9 i think they're up to m14 now right so it's like well they already used m something but you know they can reuse names. They've reused iBook for a piece of hardware in a store where you buy e-books, and nobody knows the name of the motion coprocessor processor anymore anyway. And it's all folded into the system on a chip these days, I think anyway. Yeah, or maybe is. not because it's got this little. Is it? No, I, th- I,
1: th- I think that's that's kind of why they stopped talking about it because it used to be a separate chip, and then at some point it just became part of the A whatever series uh, system on a chip
2: right so anyway we know that apple decided to call it the m1 which made me think of the bmw m1 Mm -hmm. which was a late 70s early 80s mid-engine supercar from bmw um and bmw has a line of cars that we talk about the the m series you know they have a three series five series seven series eight series so on and they make an m3 and m5 i think they make an m8 now
0: it's m3 m4 right because it's the four-door and two-door
2: anyway um they ha- BMW made a 1 Series, and if they're going to make an M version of the 1 Series, it would have to be the M1 to go along with the M3 and the M5 and so on and so forth. Aha, uh-huh, but BMW said, we can't use the name M1. We already used that for our supercar in the late 70s, early 80s. So they called it, uh, frustratingly and non-uniformly, the 1M, a car that Marco owned for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, Apple, again, has no such problem. They're calling this thing the M1, despite the fact that six years from now, they're going to put a chip in some Mac called the M7, which will be the exact same name as the motion co-processor, but no one will care. I just thought this was funny. (laughs) And M the M series of chips that I think regardless of who thought that was going to be, um, the, the chip is like the obvious choice. We always talked about as like the, the boring choice Eh, M for Mac, right? I heard someone say it might be M for mobile. No, I think it's M for Mac. So this is the, the first chip in a Mac and it's called the M one. Now, as for the actual chip, we talked at the very end of uh, last week's episode. What is Apple going to do? This is the first time they're doing an ARM chip for a Mac. They could do all sorts of stuff. They could do three entirely different chips for three totally different uh, Macs because the rumors were there was going to be a 16-inch, which turned out not to be um, in the 13-inch in the air or whatever. So in the 16-inch, they could have this huge monstrous chip with tons of cores and a giant GPU that just is a massive performance beast that fits within the power envelope allowable in there. All the way down to a very tiny, wimpy little chip that they would put in their small laptop that didn't even require a fan. And on the other side of the spectrum was maybe they just use the same A14 everywhere, right? It's not by name, but like literally, you know, the same little wimpy chip that you see in phones, just use that chip everywhere because it's what they have on hand and they don't want to make custom, expensive, weird variants for every single Mac. Um, if those are the two ends of the spectrum, what Apple ended up doing is a lot closer to the just use the same chip everywhere but that same chip is not exactly an a14 in fact what it looks like it looks a lot like if you can imagine what an a14x would look like that's what the m1 looks a lot like maybe a little bit beefier than an a14x right i think i just read a tweet today that like if you look at the part numbers if you had to guess based on the part numbers and the code names and stuff you would think the m1 is the a14x because I don't know they stick a g at the end of the regular part name and that's the x version or whatever um but they use this m1 chip they use this same m1 chip across all of the macs they introduced today so we'll get to them in a little bit it's the air um the mini and the 13 13 inch macbook pro and so it, you know the the idea that apple would invest a huge amount of money in giant scary chips right out of the gate for the mac seems not to have happened which it's not particularly surprising especially given the Macs that they actually introduced but um I don't know, i'm not gonna say i'm disappointed it, i'm surprised put it this way i'm surprised that you know it, it seems almost like they said what kind of chip can we make and what Macs will be best suited to use that chip and that's what they introduced
0: right it's the first system on a chip on a mac though that's exciting
2: yeah, that's that was their big pitch people don't know what a system on a chip is. Uh, like they showed all the different chips in a motherboard and, and without any labels on them and said, take all these chips and shove them into one thing and it's like a system, but on a chip. It's like, yeah, know. <laughs> <laughs> we know. We've seen it in phones and iPads. It's it's, it's cool and everything, but uh, in terms of size, it's 16 billion transistors, which is 35% more than the A14. Again, kind of like, uh, you know, the X things, the A13 or, or sorry, A12, A12X, A12Z, um, you can add more GPU cores, you can add more CPU cores, a little bit more memory, a little bit more transistors, right? So if you're wondering how much bigger is this chip than the chip in my phone in terms of transistor size, 35%. So it's not that much bigger. Uh, there's no T2 in these Macs because you don't need it because the M1 has all that stuff inside it, right? So if, in case you're wondering, because the 13 inch MacBook Pro has a touch bar, does that touch bar run off a of T2? No, it doesn't. Uh, I mean, they could have. And maybe it would have been more like the old way it ran, but that's not how it works. Apparently, it works like this. as far as the computer is concerned, the touch bar is just another just another little miniature screen and just another little input device, like the trackpad or whatever, right? All running off the same uh, you know system on chip, unified memory architecture, which is just their way of saying that we don't have dedicated VRAM. Um, there's just one set of RAM for the GPU and the CPU. Again, like every iPad and phone that's been out there, right? Not surprising what they showed in the keynote and what i think a lot of people weren't aware of before and continue not to be aware of based on the questions i see on twitter is that on apple system on chips the ram is in the same package as the system on chip right so or at least in the m1 anyway i don't know about it was in the phones
1: yeah and and do we have confirmation that it's not on die
2: right but it's in the same package yeah yeah i put a picture in the show notes you can see this is a picture that apple put up and unlike their other pictures that are just like sort of Logical diagrams of the bits and pieces. This appears to be an actual photo of a physical part So you can see The shot of the uh, m1 die and then in the same package meaning in the same Thing that we're going to cover with a piece of plastic that says m1 on it Over to the side are two chips that represent the RAM, right? So it's it's mere millimeters from the thing you know in the same package connected by little interconnects not wires or anything right and that and then that's that thing is slathered over with a piece of plastic that says m1 on it right um and so people were wondering like why you know we'll get to the ram you know the ram specs in a second but why why are are the ram limits the way they are well the amount of ram you can put in an m1 mac is the amount of ram you can fit in the package in those two little spots now there's no reason an arm based mac can't have ram external to the system on a chip but this one doesn't. So, so there, right. Um, I believe this is the first die shot that Apple has given, at least in recent memory. Um, meaning a photo of what the actual M1 silicon chip looks like, presumably under some kind of microscope. If you've ever seen one of these photos, they always kind of like shimmery and multicolored because of the, the way the tiny features, uh, you know, bend the light and reflect off of it. And you can look at them and it looks kind of like a city viewed, a multicolored city viewed from very high above and a satellite or something. And you can identify different regions based on the sort of patterns of regularity, right? Um if you compare to Apple's logical diagram, you can kind of see, oh, I see how they when they draw like the GPU and they draw a bunch of rectangles, I kind of see what they're drawing because here and that's looks kind of like that. But as you can see in the real die shot diagram, um Anatech has a good article where they put outlines around the parts and they try to label them it's not as neatly as arranged as their diagrams are. It is. <laughs> it's more like a city that has evolved over time. And by the way, <laughs> I did when, uh, when I wrote die shot into the notes, this reminded me of a, a game from a classic Mac game called sky shadow by Cassidy and green. And it had a sound effect. It must've been like a, you know, 22 kilohertz sound effect of some British person saying nice one. When you went over a power up, Right. But with the British accent and the sort of garbled nature of the recording, when I was a kid, me and my brother would debate, is he saying, is he saying die schwat? Or is he saying nice one? (laughs) Die schwat. Nice one. (laughs) So every time I hear die shot, I think die schwat, which is not a real thing. If you would like to hear that sound effect, we will put a link to it in the show
0: notes wow (laughs) it's funny what sticks in your head after all this time and not just you john like the royal you it's funny what will stick in your head someone
2: just did someone just did but speaking of that i don't know what the word for this is someone will tell us but um uh there was some video of a news reporter being heckled and he turns around to the person behind him and like it's it's a it was a video meme video on youtube and it's captioned right so you can watch it with the sound off on your phone and so the heckler's behind the reporter. The reporter turns around to the heckler, and the caption says, F off, but not F, <laughs> just so Marco doesn't have to believe it, right? But if you close your eyes and don't read the captions and listen, the reporter says, buzz off. But because the captions say, F off, you hear F off in your head, even though he says, buzz off. I think we've done that with the. Really?
0: Yeah. Because I've seen that video, and I could swear that I heard
2: no. the... the I know. Letter X, X That's, it. Well, watch it again with your eyes closed, and you'll hear him say buzz off. It's like the... Uh, what was it? The Green Needle and bra- the Brainstorming Green Needle one? That's another one.
0: Oh, yeah. And the purple... Yeah, well, that was visual, but the purple green dress or whatever it was. I forget exactly what it was. Purple gold, something like
1: that. I still can't see that dress as gold. It's always blue to me.
2: Uh, anyway, dash what? um <laughs> Let's talk about this uh, CPU. Eight cores. Um I can't remember. Is the What does the A12Z have? I should have put this in the notes. We, we're doing a little bit of a scramble to get the notes. But anyway, like, I mean, this this is sort of in keeping with what I said before. Like, bottom line, 16 billion transistors, 35% more. Where are those 35% of transistors being spent? They mostly got spent in having more of a certain thing, either more, you know, more execution units, more CPU cores, more GPU cores, or more RAM, right? Um, the 8 cores has got four high-performance cores and four high-efficiency cores. The Anatech article labels these as Firestorm and Ice Storm, which presumably are the real code names that they extracted from some technical doc somewhere. Um, Apple did give us the, the instruction cache and data cache sizes.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was really wild. I, w- I rewatched the video this morning to enter way too much info- information in the show notes so we would have it handy, and I realized, whoa, they actually put cache sizes on there? That's very un-Apple. It's like, of all, of all the
2: things to give us, especially since they don't give us things like the clock speed, <laughs> Which right. seems like it'd be more <laughs> higher level than anyway. So they give the cache sizes. And it's only interesting to say, like, for example, um the shared twelve megabyte L2 cache. This is an L two cache that's shared just among the high performance cores, as far as I can tell. It has twelve right. megabytes, the A fourteen has eight megabytes. So again, this is M1 is like a slightly scaled up A fourteen. It has more cores, it has more cache to feed those cores. Um it's got the high four, four uh four high efficiency cores similar uh you know i'm assuming these are the same cores in the a14 that are high efficiency similar slightly larger cache sizes so on and so forth and apple's bragging that this is the best cpu performance per watt the fastest cpu in the world uh casey was upset about uh the charts they provided to uh to demonstrate this
0: i'm assuming that's you put
2: this in here and said called it a bezos chart
0: they are bezos charts. they are I that's mean, fair there's no units it's Performance higher is better. Power consumption lower is better.
1: This, I, I would generally have a problem with the use of Bezos charts, but when you're trying to communicate in a PR, you know, commercial performance, that's a really hard thing to generalize into yeah, one graph because performance has so many different aspects. So like, it, there is no way to create a precise graph of quote performance as a whole. So the fact that they're using hand wavy things here doesn't really offend me that much.
2: Well, I thought these charts were good in that what they were trying to show, like they eventually did label and put numbers on what they were trying to show, which is relative performance. Now, the, if you just look at the chart with nothing labeled, you're like, well, that can't be relative performance because I have no idea where zero is. So these two lines could be <laughs> 0. 0.00001, whatever units from each other. And they're just showing me a real zoomed in portion. So they look like they're far apart. Right. But when they labeled them, they said, look, we are, you know, twice the speed at half the wattage. And they put like, or they put like a 10 watt line down the, you know, vertical line down the thing. So they did show, oh, we're not fooling you by zooming way in on what is actually a small difference. They came out and said, we are, you know, this much faster, uh, this much less power, so on and so forth. They're really just showing the relative curves of things. Um, And this is their version instead of showing benchmarks. Uh, They used to say, here's a common task and here's how long that common task takes. They just... Going with more synthetic benchmarks here, like we're this much faster per watt on whatever it is that we're deciding we're measuring. Same thing with the GPU. They, they didn't even label this as another theme. They didn't say Intel anywhere. They just kept saying PC, <laughs> yeah. laptop PC chip, you know, our latest PC laptop GPU. Like we know what they mean. We all know they're talking about Intel. They are, in fact, also talking about all of their own products, although not every one of Apple's products has the latest and greatest of everything. Uh, But what they're saying is M1 performance really good, which is not shocking considering how much faster the A14 is than every Mac that Apple sells. And now this is like an A14 with more cores in the CPU, Uh, more cores in the GPU as well. It's got an eight core GPU cores in GPU parlance is weird because I don't know how Apple counts cores. Every company that makes GPUs decides what number they're going to throw at you. You know how how many like you can break it down into much smaller and smaller pieces and say we have you know five thousand of these little execution things, but Apple tends to go in bigger chunks. So these core things for the GPU, they're only comparable between Apple's own chips because GPU cores don't have a sort of agreed upon meaning, and it really depends on how big a block of your GPU you decide to look at. But anyway, um, it's eight GPU cores, which is the same as the a12 Z in terms of number of cores, whatever that means uh seven gpu cores on some of the models which we assume is exactly the same situation as the a12x and the a12z where they make a chip with eight gpu cores and for some of those chips one of the gpu cores doesn't work and they just disable that core and say now it's a seven core gpu because gpu cores in general is just you know not infinitely but very easily horizontally uh, expandable you can just keep adding more cores depending on what your budget is for transistor space and there's plenty of pixels to pump through them um they do give executions 8 gpu cores 128 execution units 24,000 concurrent threads yeah i would love to know a breakdown of what they consider a core if you look on the chip you can see kind of a shape that's repeated eight times and i'm like well i guess that's the core (laughs) because you can look (laughs) at it and it looks like the same shape a couple times um and the the boast apple makes is the uh when it comes to personal computers the m1 has the world's fastest integrated graphics probably does I mean that wouldn't be hard like
1: intel's integrated graphics (laughs) attempts are not great historically
2: i mean uh what they're well see here's here's the other modifier you're missing here is when it comes to personal computers did you put this
0: quote in here casey is this actually a quote yeah sorry i didn't put the literal quotation marks around it but yes that was a verbatim quote if i recall correctly
2: yeah they have to put personal computers because the playstation 5 and xbox series x exist which also have integrated gpus technically speaking Casey put the big technology slide in here where they have the big slide with a bunch of little boxes all around the M1 saying all the, the stuff that it has. Is there anything in that slide in particular that jumped out to anybody?
0: I don't think so. Um, they do um, – I know it was a different slide actually that they were talking about like video encoding and decoding. But no, I thought that this was relatively straightforward. HDR imaging is on there. Oh, there it is. I'm sorry. High performance video editing. Oh no, editing, not encoding, decoding. I don't know. It was there was nothing that that remarkable. Now,
1: um, there's one little bit here that looks interesting. Always on processor.
0: Oh, I didn't even notice that. I guess that has to do with the uh, of Bow Bow Wow Wow uh, that Craig was talking about later on. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> that's a great. Which, way to by put the it. way, was
0: easily my favorite moment of that entire presentation by a mile. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
2: Craig has a sexual harassment case against Apple. There, don't, don't always sexualize Craig. <laughs> <laughs> He's a technologist first and a heartthrob second. Right.
1: (laughs) But yeah, the the always-on processor, I think, you know, I'm I'm glad that, you know, even though it was kind of cringy, I'm glad that they called out the instant wake because that's something that just the architecture and the realities of Intel-based PCs makes that really hard to do. And when Apple can control so much more of everything with using their own, you know, everything, basically like they are here, they can make stuff like that better and that's one of the one of the ways that i am so happy that they attacked that as a as like a thing that the you know apple silicon i'm so glad we can stop saying that the m based macs can actually improve on in like a meaningful day-to-day way cuz a lot of this stuff i mean a lot of people don't push their computers very hard a lot of people don't use their batteries that heavily and so a lot of people aren't going to see like incredibly noticeable differences in day-to-day use but Something like that like instant wake and having it wake up reliably every single time that's something that we can see and something like an always on processor probably maybe enables things like background push notifications to background update apps uh, you know things like that we'll, we'll see how that works out but like that could be a really meaningful thing in just day-to-day niceties that we couldn't have before
2: and yeah, this 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 goes. All the way back to the old Steve Jobs thing where he had like a MacBook Air. So the story goes and talked to the Mac team and said, when I wake up my iPad, it's ready to go instantly. Why isn't the MacBook Air like that? So it it took a while, but it seems like we finally got there.
0: And imagine if you started your MacBook Air or what have you, and you didn't wait five minutes for the last 24 hours of iMessages to come in. Like that would be a neat change. That's the thing
1: like you know i mean you know we're lucky that we have like computers that we don't use very often that we occasionally wake up after after like you know a week of sleep and yeah it it sucks having to wait for everything to roll in and iOS devices don't work that way iOS devices are always on until you manually power them off but if it's just in sleep mode then it will keep receiving background updates and keep updating the apps periodically and so you're it's never that out of date when you turn it on Whereas Macs don't work that way so far, and so to have this have an always-on processor, an instant wake, and everything, that's probably going to be a really nice improvement. And we'll see how much the software supports that. It, it might take a few years of software uh, evolution to be able to get things like background updates reliably working on the Mac. But it's really nice in the iOS world, and I think this brings us closer to that reality uh, on the Mac.
2: One tweet somebody had about one funny tweet someone had about this diagram is off to the side. There's one of the squares that says uh, cryptography acceleration. And they joked, "Hey, will this make uh, expanding an Xcode zip <laughs> any faster?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> X, again, XIP zip. Um, oh, unfortunately, I doubt it because the that task is almost certainly I/O bound. But I'll happily be proven uh, I/O bound, and I think non multi-threaded. So if they just multi-threaded it, it would really. Help.
1: Well, and also. Cryptography acceleration is nothing new in modern CPUs. Like that what, that, what they probably are getting this from, partly, is bringing the T2 in chip, because the T2 had acceleration for disk encryption. Mm-hmm. Even the previous Intel chips and all the previous A-series chips have had hardware-accelerated cryptography instructions at the chip level. So that itself is nothing particularly new. It's nice, but it's not new.
2: The way to think about the T2 is they took stuff out of their iPad and iPhone chips and put it into a little chip that they called the T two. So anything the T two is able to do, that's stuff that their iPad and iPhone chips have already been able to do. The the H two six four or two six five decoding encoding hardware, the, the I.O. processing, that's all in system on chips had to do that themselves because, you know, that's they dealt with their own, you know, flash storage on the phones and everything like that. So Pretty sure the T2 was just sort of like the opposite of that diagram we saw at the beginning where a bunch of chips merged together into one. The T2 was like a tiny chip ejected from Apple's phone chips and it landed <laughs> on our Macs. But now we don't need it anymore because all that crap is in the M1. I wonder what the high efficiency audio processor is. I mean, it's probably something that already exists in phone and iPad chips. It's some kind of audio, you know, it's like the image signal processing thing they have for the camera, right? But for audio. Like it could be like
1: hardware accelerated DSP, but they already
2: had that in the CPUs. I mean, see, here's the thing about Apple not really telling us all the details of their system on a chip. So even if you look at the Zanataka article, they're, they're trying to guess what's inside the CPU, like how many execution units, how deep are the pipelines, how many reorder buffers, you know, what is the dispatch with? But they have to guess because Apple doesn't tell you, right? So they have to run these tests that try to experimentally determine these answers. If you look in the system on a chip with the, you know, the die shot that we had earlier, they have labeled regions. There's also a lot of regions that are not labeled. And that stuff does something what is it and so you're like oh well there are instructions in, in the cpu for doing this type of stuff and you know the neon instruction set the SIMD instruction set that arm supports that's in there too but for any given task um and this is part of apple system on a chip design if there's a thing that you need to do you have a lot of choices you could do it on the cpu like think of just audio processing you could just do it on the cpu you could do it on the cpu with SIMD instructions um if you have some kind on the gpu sometimes you use gpu to general purpose compute stuff right and then you get into these other things that this chip may or may not have what if i'm encoding or decoding video i could do that on 10 different places but if this chip has dedicated hardware for this codec i could also use that image single processing audio processing if there's some region on the chip that has a separate little minute either miniature cpu or miniature set of execution units just for a specific task apple has a lot of flexibility to dole out the workloads to just the part of the chip that will do that job in the most power efficient manner and also the fastest, right? That's why the M1 is so much more than a CPU and a GPU. That's why all these other little labeled blocks are in there. And that's what makes like their ability to tie these things together so important because Apple does tons of work to figure out what is it that our devices and apps are actually doing when somebody uses them. Someone uses an iPad over the course of the day, how much are, are this corner of the chip used how much do we use the integer units how much do we use the floating point units uh the n article has an interesting thing about the fact that this uh the m1 can apparently re, uh do like what is it uh dispatch uh, do four floating point operations per cycle or something like that which is wider than even like the biggest intel chips and like why would apple care so much about being able to crank through floating point instructions um, and they speculate it's because in javascript every number is a floating point uh, number <laughs> and that's why apple's things could do so well in javascript benchmarks right who knows like they're they're just speculating but the whole idea is that apple figures out what their devices actually do and then they, they say look it's, we're spending a lot of time for example doing audio processing on the cpu and the cpu is a relatively large thing to keep powered up and cranking so maybe if we fed you know whatever that audio api is to a dedicated tiny unit that just does that one function, we could keep the larger CPU asleep. Like even the high efficiency cores can be less efficient because you've got to turn all the machinery of you know instruction decode and everything instead of have those things go to this dedicated unit. I have no idea how much of that is happening in the M one, but if you look at the results in terms of we'll, we'll get those in a little bit, what is the performance? What is the supposed battery life? Or just look at the, the results on iPads and our current phones. Right? Clearly, they're doing a really good job of not burning electricity doing everything you know with the cpu right so every one of these little blocks in this diagram is not an execution unit it's just a bunch of words on a slide but some of them might be some of them might be in that sort of unlabeled region of the chip we just don't know all right so what else we got performance little just we don't have any benchmarks yet because nobody has these things and we just have those bezos charts right but everyone wants to know what is this thing going to be like um and attacks again keep referencing this article they don't have one either but they're saying look we do have an a14 and we do know how the a14 runs and let's compare the a14 to a bunch of other chips and it's already like the fastest chip out there and this is going to be better because it has more execution units and a bigger gpu and so on and so forth right some concrete m1 performance numbers this is from david smith not underscore uh on twitter who uh is an apple employee uh he says fun fact retaining and releasing an ns object takes 30 nanoseconds on intel 6.5 nanoseconds on an m1 and 14 nanoseconds on an m1 emulating intel (laughs) so Intel, an Intel app running an emulation for this one tiny little operation, which is retaining and releasing an NS object, was just incrementing and decrementing a number,
1: which is a very common operation in Mac code.
0: Yeah, I think we need to take just a quick pause here. So. When you're doing stuff in code, you need to keep things in memory and then eventually let them go and give that memory back to the operating system. And there's a million different ways to handle this problem, but the way that Apple Technologies handle it is by saying, "How many people care about this memory?" And then when when and just keep a count, keep a number. And when that number falls down to zero, which means nobody cares about it, then that memory can be given back to the operating system. So as the the guys were saying, you know, this happens. Just constantly. It's nonstop that you're saying, oh, I care about that. Oh, don't care about that. Oh, I care about this. No, nope, don't care about that anymore. And it's just nonstop. And so for this to be considerably faster can make a tangible difference in the speed of your of your computer.
2: So it's, you know, and again, it's not this is what getting back to what I was saying before. It is not shocking that this operation is very fast on Apple's hardware. Because Apple has a platform that does reference counting uh, on all of its in memory and in all of its programs and has for years and years. So all of the iPhone chips and the iPad chips, like when they were you know, saying, what, is, what does the CPU spend most of its time doing? A huge chunk of its time surely is spent retaining and releasing things and sending messages. <laughs> uh, you know, that's why they're always optimizing objective C message and stuff like that. Um, so this is not like just the M1 is doing this. M1 is standing on the shoulders of every chip that came before it, including, of course, the A14. Uh, And, you know, it's just saying, just FYI, like this is probably true of the A14 as well. The M1 is almost five times faster at doing this common operation than Intel. And an M1 running Intel code in emulation is twice as fast as as an Intel, in this one particular tiny operation, as an Intel chip doing this specific thing. Because no one at Intel is optimizing their chip architecture around Apple's need to call retain and release on, you know, in their Objective C and Swift code, right? But Apple sure is.
1: I mean, this is one of the benefits Apple gets of having, like on the App Store, they have all code that runs on the platform passing through their hands. On the Mac, you now have notarization. So they're getting the same benefit now on the Mac. And when you have all of the third-party code out there passing through your hands, or at least most of it, Uh, You know the Mac doesn't have necessarily all of it because you have things like you know things that aren't notarized going through open source stuff or whatever. But for the most part, you have almost all the code that is being run out there on your platform passing through your hands, and you can save a copy of it if you want, and you can analyze it if you want, and you can you can really have a really good idea of what kind of instructions are being used most often, and how can we design our silicon to optimize for the entire world of third party software out there, Um, and you can have even more. You know, advancements when you consider things like bit code, where with bitcode, code that was originally not written to take advantage of certain instructions, maybe, that you'd later add to your to instruction set can be automatically recompiled to take advantage of those instructions. So you can retroactively improve performance of apps as you improve your silicon through your own distribution channels. Like That's a pretty powerful thing. That's something no one else in the industry has. And as much as a pain in the butt as it is for us developers, uh, it gives Apple a huge advantage in performance design.
2: Uh, David Smith warns that this uh, this boost in speed comes at the cost of uh, potentially exposing certain multi-threading bugs. So he suggests using thread sanitizer in your apps to make sure you're not making a threading mistake. Um that that also gets to one of the things in the Anatech article there's speculation about the size of the instruction reorder buffers they they're like huge like the reorder buffer is like uh, these these are these CPUs don't execute instructions in the order that they are in the program they're out of order execution and they do parallel dispatch they're executing multiple instructions at once right and so they have this buffer where they keep all some some window of instructions, some big bag of instructions, and they pull from that bag and say, okay, well these four instructions can go together, and these three instructions can go over here together in the floating point unit, and these instructions, you know, and that's what the CPU is doing, right? But it needs that bucket because just if you were just given four instructions, maybe you can only execute like one of those, and the other three have to wait. And so but the bigger the bucket is, the more you can sort of pick and choose. Oh, now we've built up enough instructions that I can say, okay, this set can go together, and this set can go together, and that set can go together. CPUs are very complicated. Anyway, the reorder bu- uh, buckets on, on these CPUs, according to Intel's uh, analysis, are hundreds of instructions. They're, they're bigger than even they are, again, they are on the biggest Intel CPUs, right? Um, and that, you know, lends itself to the idea that Apple has determined in its own real programs, it is advantageous to have big caches, big, uh, you know, big reorder uh, buffers, and wide execution, and they can actually extract that level of parallelism and, and you know, use it to good effect it is frustrating how much of this is speculation because apple doesn't want to talk about or brag about these things intel had like data sheets down to you know the practically the gate level not really but they would tell you (laughs) for each instruction what the latency is and you know what instructions can be dispatched with other instructions and they would have conferences where they would tell you about their you know instruction decoder and how it works and apple is much more tight-lipped which which is fine anyway so that so that's the m1 this this chip that I described, eight cores, and, and you know the eight core GPU, no less about, but it's very similar to the GPU that's in the A14. It's just got eight cores worth of it, um, four big, four little cores, eight core GPU, all the rest of the stuff you'd expect it to have, you know, from the the phone and, and uh, iPad chips, Secure Enclave, all the stuff the T2 did, uh, image signal processing, yada yada yada, it's all in there. This one chip powers all of the Macs they introduced. The only difference is maybe clocks be, but they won't tell us, and we'll find out as soon as we get the hardware, and that one GPU core that may or may not be working. If it's not working, you pay less money.
0: <laughs> Do you want to explain that a little bit more? Uh, we've talked
2: about it in the last show. like I didn't about it earlier today. I think I think people, yeah. people know about binning, right? Same deal as A12X versus A12Z. Yep. Um, we have a big section of Big Sur here, but I think we can skip right to the Max.
0: All right, fair enough. Well, we started with MacBook Air. And it is now without a fan. So this, in many ways, this seems like the love child of the adorable in the existing MacBook Air to me. Because it doesn't have a fan, which is good, I think. It has more than one port, which is excellent. Uh, And so you've got the no fan from the adorable and the more than one port from the Air. Uh, They claim that it is faster than 98% of PC laptops sold in the last year. My word.
2: They love bragging about that, but it's like who cares <laughs> like you know <laughs> it, or most laptops sold are not fast because by definition the fast ones are at the edge of the bell curve right uh, I, I don't i don't the thing them dragging bragging about how this is faster than x percentage of pcs that are sold i don't know why they do that they should just say that it's like really really fast and compare it to like a fast laptop right or i don't know if they don't want to compare it on price because they'll fall down or anyway i don't think that this macbook air has anything to be ashamed of speed wise again we'll find out from benchmarking but i just described the chip that's in it right the only way you can make that chip not insanely fast is to just clock it really really low but we already know in a fanless ipad a lesser version of this same chip you know uh, much lesser the, the a12z two generations old thing with you know fewer cpu cores and similar gpu cores is insanely fast this this MacBook Air, again, I, unless it's clock lower than the iPad, which I can't possibly imagine, um, is going to be very, very fast. Um, I, I don't think it's a love child of anything. I think it is just take the existing MacBook Air, remove the fans because you don't need them anymore, and put a way, way faster and more power-efficient CPU in there and a fa- fast, faster and more power-efficient GPU. Um, this computer is with the exception of the complete lack of touch and face id but again set that aside we'll get there um it, i think it's great i think if you have an old macbook air you should throw it into the sea right now <laughs> not really. <laughs> no, not really because you might need to run intel stuff or whatever but but can you imagine like just set aside the apple silicon stuff pretend this was still an intel mac if this was the new macbook air and we weren't talking about our mac so this is just the new intel macbook air and I mean, I know we don't have benchmarks yet, but I'm, I'm saying right now, when people start benchmarking this thing against the previous MacBook Air, it's going to embarrass the previous MacBook Air big time in both performance and battery life. And the battery life isn't 5% better, right? It's not like it. it's hugely better. And everything else about it is the same. Still a scissor keyboard, still the same, you know, function keys on top of it. The, the uh, display is the same resolution. Oh, now it's a P3 thing. This computer is fairly amazing. Um, oh, and by the way, it's got USB 4 slash Thunderbolt 3 ports instead of the older uh, thing. I know that whole spec thing is confusing, but just trust us when we tell you it's at least as good, if not better, than the ports on the previous MacBook Air, as far as we know. Same crappy 720p FaceTime camera.
1: that was hilarious i love how much time they spent talking about how much better their image processing was so you'll be able to get better video out of the stupid facetime camera because of their wonderful image processing so in other words the hardware is the same which is still embarrassingly bad (laughs) and they and i mean i don't know how long their timeline is for developing such (laughs) things but If they aren't really working hard on improving the webcams in their laptops and desktops, they really should be. (laughs) Because the world really demands that right now. And their webcams are so... Even before this past year, their webcams were kind of comically out of date and crappy. And, like, yeah, people say, oh, well, it would make the lid thicker. Well, you know, figure something out. Figure out some kind of compromise. Camera bump. Yeah, maybe. That's fine. That would be fine. Because... People actually need that. Like, I personally wouldn't use it a ton, but I use it some, and it's fine. Like, uh, yeah, people use that. It matters. It matters now more than ever, but it has always mattered. And, yeah, so I did find that kind of hilarious, how much time they gave to their lack of hardware upgrade to the camera. But somehow, we're going to fudge
2: the uh, image
1: a bit to make it better.
2: Well, see, the thing about fudging the image, like – Yes, they should upgrade the hardware. They absolutely should. They need to or whatever. That said, our experience with Apple's phones has shown that a lot of progress can be made with quote unquote crappy sensors just by improving the image processing. Now, I don't know how much this particular image processing improvement makes a difference on this terrible 720p FaceTime camera, but it can't hurt. Right. And and if it wasn't being done before, like the fact that they can sort of piggyback on all of the work done for the front face or for all the cameras, but, you know, for the for the uh, traditionally lesser front facing camera on phones, that's one of the benefits of going to arm. It's like, oh, why don't we just do the same thing we do when people look into their front facing camera on phones? It's the same architecture. We've got the same libraries, the same weird execution units, whatever, same image processor, whatever we're doing on the phone, do that here. And they do it and they say, hey, this makes the camera look a little better. Does it make the camera that much better? No, we still need better hardware. But this is like, it's not not free really because it's a different operating system, but like this is what I expect to get from moving to ARM is things that the phone was previously better at, now the Mac should be better at them as well. Um, and in terms of the hardware, I was you know, I said camera bump. I said the same thing during the, the keynote and tweet, I think. If you start thinking about a camera bump on a Mac, you start to wonder how that would manifest right you could bump it out the back which would you know make johnny Ive cry but hey it's bumped (laughs) out of the back on phones like you know i'm saying that the camera faces front but the the bulk of the camera bumps out the back for like a little bump or a notch or something i would pay that price in a heartbeat for face id um but i can see them not wanting that you could bump it out the front but then you need, like, some kind of dent or ditch for it to go into when you go into clamshell mode.
1: Right, which is right where your thumb lifts the lid up, though. So they already have the cutout there, so you kind of can't... I mean, you could do... A, you a, can make
2: it go into the cutout and, like, yeah. think of it as, like, a tab going into a cutout. So now when you lift, you're actually lifting the little tab out of the slot instead of just having a slot with nothing in it. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, I, I leave it... I would even accept just make the lid a little bit thicker. It's not like someone's crying that the MacBook Air is super thick and they can't handle it anymore. <laughs> right? <laughs> Especially on the front edge, right? Just make the lid thicker. Anyway, that's that's future facing. It, it, this hasn't been discussed, but as far as I'm aware, uh this MacBook Air is exactly the same. Like it's the same case, other than p- potentially different venting holes and obviously different sort of internal structure. But dimension wise, I don't think this is any bigger or smaller than the current MacBook Air. In fact, it weighs the same as well.
1: Yeah, it, and I think, and that's been a point of a lot of criticism of this event so far. That basically what they released it did do you know kind of what we were saying last time like it did change out the guts and now they're faster and better in a few little ways and few big ones and and they are you know better battery life but otherwise they look pretty much the same you know the they didn't really shuffle up the lineup very much and they don't really look any different and they don't really have like massive hardware differences um, on the, that are visible from the from the outside and so they do look kind of dated in a way. You know, when you look at what PC laptops are doing and have been doing for some time, Apple's laptops look like they were designed in 2015 still. And, you know, we we still have these big, thick screen bezels. Um, we still have, you know, relatively small screens for the body size for the 13-inch class. Because like, you know, when you make the bezel thinner, you can fit a bigger screen in the same laptop size that the PC world has been doing forever or for years. Um, we still don't have things like cellular uh, that we were hoping to get with this transition. We still have the same situation with touch, where, which is we have no touch screens. And on the same models as before, we have forced touch bars. Uh, and on the ones that don't, we still don't. That's nice. Um, and so we, like, a lot of that stuff hasn't changed at all. Now, it remains to be seen whether that will change. You know, In previous architecture transitions, the first models of the new generation kind of looked the same as the previous ones, and then they, over, over the following years, used their gains in efficiency and everything else to make better things that they, that they wouldn't have been able to make with the old architecture. So I have a feeling a lot of that stuff is yet to come, but a lot of people are understandably kind of disappointed that, uh, at all the things that didn't change. You know, we didn't see big price cuts. We didn't see, you know, as a result of not being able to, not, not having to use Intel's chips anymore. Um, you know, we saw small price cuts here and there, but mostly, mostly similar. Um, we, you know, we, we still have the exact same dimensions, size, weight, like all that stuff. So I hope, and I, and I suspect that more differentiation in the hardware is coming, but here on day one, it's not here yet.
2: Yeah, that was another sort of spectrum that we talked about the previous show. The spectrum of the CPU was, are you going to make a radically different CPU and three different radically different CPUs for three different Macs? Or are you basically just going to take an A14, puff it up a little bit, and use that across the whole line? And similarly, the range of do what you did in the Intel transition, which is take your current line of computers and put different chips inside them, or something radical where these computers look nothing like the previous ones, and they have touchscreens and Face ID, and they're just, you know, totally new. They didn't do that. This they went in this case they went hard on the other edge, which is like there. If you looked at these, you cannot visually tell the difference without squinting at most of them. So, I mean, for the first generation product, it's not unexpected. Again, it's what they did with Intel. People who are disappointed, I hope that they channel that disappointment into more fervor in the second and third gen, because I think it is very excusable for the first gen. It's not like Apple doesn't have a lot to do. They have a lot to do just to make these <laughs> things work at all with all the software stuff and to get it all, you know, to work in this package. And, you know, thankfully they, they sorted out the keyboard situation before this came. Right. So I, I give them a lot of leeway to have these computers be boring. And there is, this was talked about in the Intel thing. I don't know if Apple talked about this, but obviously all of the, uh, the, you know, the customers talked about this, of like that. It is comforting to say, uh, I heard the Macs have this new thing and now I'm scared, and Apple's here to say it's the same computer you know and love. Look, it looks identical. Like, oh, I feel better now. Whether that is <laughs> was ever an actual strategy or whether it's just the reality of you can't you can't do everything all at once, it is uh, a th- real thing in the market that having a computer that looks the same as your previous MacBook Air but is just better in all measurable performance ways makes people happy without scaring them. and and yeah, and to be to
1: reinforce that point, Doing that is a ton of work. Like all of the other things that had to happen for an architectural transition to be pulled off smoothly to make the new things that are completely different internally and technically look and work just like the old things, but better. That's a ton of work and that's a ton of engineering. And so it is reasonable to expect that we didn't have massive other changes because even making this happen was a massive undertaking. So, I have faith, you know, Apple is pretty good on the whole. There have been some dark periods, but they are pretty good on the whole at moving Mac hardware forward over time and making exciting things happen in their hardware lineup. And, you know, it doesn't, it usually doesn't happen as quickly as we want, and sometimes we take a step back before we take a step forward, but it does happen on an infinite (laughs) timescale, and so (laughs) I do think we will get there, and... Even though I was hoping for more excitement in the hardware, it is totally understandable why they aren't there yet.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think it's unreasonable to have hoped for it, like you just said, but I, I don't think it's unreasonable at all that, that they're wading into the pool rather than jumping in the deep end. And. I don't know. In some ways, this is kind of jumping in the deep end, right? Because the M1 sounds, if you believe the Apple hype machine, to be like a phenomenal, phenomenal processor. And and if the M1 is basically just the A14 cranked up a bit, like we've been saying, imagine what an M2 or an M1Z or whatever. And I know we've covered this earlier, but it I'm really... It seems so obvious to me in retrospect that you would want to, if you're Apple, wade into the water very slowly. Use these chips that are almost exactly like what you've already been shipping for a while, and use them in you know the basic laptops and, and smaller computers that that a lot of people rely on. And then it seems to me like if there was going to be a hardware refresh, I would think. And you can remind me of this you know in a few months when whenever the hardware refresh happens, but I would think <laughs> that they would wait and do something bigger with like the sixteen inch MacBook pro or something like that or even or even the you know, the sixteen and thirteen in concert um and and I would imagine that they would they would do something that where the processor is bigger, better and different er. Than the m1 is to the a14 i don't know what that looks like but you know maybe they it has features that that have never existed on a mac before hell it could have a cellular modem in it which has never been in a mac Uh, i don't know something like that i feel like today or well yesterday strictly speaking was the all right let's let's get our feet under us and let's walk before we run and i would be very surprised if we don't see stuff in the next six months that's really going to knock our socks off
1: and it, it, and maybe even not six months, but I think a year or two. Then we will look back on this time and be like, "Oh, those were so quaint." Like whatever we have in, <laughs> in like a year or two, and especially you know once they complete the transition across the whole lineup, we're going to look back on this like you know like those first uh, core two duo or no core duos <laughs> and the core solo in the Mac Mini <laughs> of the first Intel transition of just like wow those those chips were so important at the time, but so primitive in retrospect.
2: I'm glad to see that all of the specs of the the M1 in terms of the supported uh, protocols and ports and everything, that they didn't skimp, right? I mean, it's, it, most of it, they're just piggybacking on, on stuff that they've done in the iPads and phones already, but not all of it. So uh, this has Bluetooth 5 and Wi-Fi 6, so the latest, latest versions of that stuff uh th- two thunderbolt slash usb4 ports right as that's that's new to mac like the, the, as far as i'm aware the ipad pro doesn't support thunderbolt in any way shape or form and none of them support usb4 which is a confusing spec that we talked about in the past in the show but it supports display port thunderbolt 3 usb 3.1 gen 2 like it has ports that you would expect a mac to have like when i saw the macbook air when they said it's fanless i immediately had dread on my heart said, oh oh no are those just plain USB-C ports on the side like are those basically two <laughs> are those two ports are those just like two ipad ports no no they're full-fledged mac ports there's only two of them which isn't great right and they're more limited right but hey it's the macbook air right uh, so i'm glad these specs are you know it's a forward-looking architecture like they they you know if you're wondering how are they ever going to figure out how to do thunderbolt with an arm mac done don't worry about it they've got it <laughs> under control um obviously more work to do for the bigger macs and we'll talk about that later but uh for the air, this makes sense. Oh, the one hardware change that, uh, in, in the case, again, other than the sort of venting situation, which we can't really assess from the photos, is that the hardware function keys, the F4, F5, and F6 keys, have different little pictures on them. And presumably, they're mapped differently in the software. The F4 key <laughs> has a little magnifying glass. The F5 has a little microphone. And the F6 has a little crescent moon. <laughs> what does that Interesting. mean? Spotlight, Siri, and sleep? maybe dark mode maybe do not disturb mode i Mm, don't know maybe yeah you can bind these keys to anything so this is mostly you know we'll see when we get them what they have them bound to default by default and over the years it's been kind of weird that they ship i mean i'm using a keyboard like this too as hardware func hardware quote-unquote function keys they do say f1 f2 so on and so forth underneath them but they always have these little pictures on them but if you rebind them the pictures become wrong like if you if you bind f4 to something that's not searched that magnifying glass doesn't mean search anymore so it's i mean this is obviously the way they made the touch bar hey look it's not a, it's just like uh not yeah, i was gonna a, say well, why
1: don't we just make it a whole big screen and then we can update the keys to look
2: yeah, like whatever they want it's why Perfect. they don't have a hardware hardware keyboard on the iphone because you have a screen and it's infinitely changeable but buttons are cool anyway yeah please um, please
1: don't encourage them john please don't encourage them to use more touch bars
2: please <laughs> but i don't like like i don't know if, like the the idea of changing the symbols uh every couple of years on the function keys and the physical function keys like i don't all right whatever i it's fine uh, all i'm saying is that those those pictures just remind me of how how limited it is to have to paint little pictures on actual keys but i do love the keys so i you know i and i don't like the touch bar so i prefer to have this model um the pricing is the same uh still starts at 999 and uh the the that's for the quote-unquote seven core gpu which has an eighth core that doesn't work um and then the uh <laughs> The 8-core one starts at uh, $12.49. Uh, there's a storage difference between them. That's a 7-core. See, this is so weird. They have to find some way to make an expensive one and a cheap one. This is true of all these models, right? They want to have a range of prices. But given that it's a system on a chip, and given that the RAM is on the package with the thing, it's it's not easy to decide how you're going to price tier them. The only things you, have you, can, you can adjust is RAM which I guess we'll talk about now, you can get two amounts of RAM, 8 and 16 gigs. Done. That's it. There are no other options because it's on the same package as the system on the chip, and I guess they didn't it couldn't fit more than 16 given current memory sizes and the, the size they wanted to make the thing. So um, so that that's a difference in price. There's 7 versus 8-core GPU, which is a binning thing of like, well, sometimes they come out with 7 working, sometimes they come out with 8 working, but it's more rare, so those won't cost more. And then there's SSD space, Right how big do you want the drive and depending on which one of those things you care about you might say oh that's where all the cost is or you might get super angry and say how much is it an increase in cost to get you know if go to 8 16 gigs of ram i can get 8 gigs of ram for 20 bucks how is it a 200 hundred dollar price difference to get another eight it doesn't matter where you think the money is apple just says look we're going to charge you more for the, for the better model. And you can decide to distribute that money wherever you think it goes, but there's not much that varies between these things. And no, you're not going to be able to say, subtract the prices from each other, take that bucket of money, and then lay lay bills down on the parts that are different. It, don't do that exercise. It won't add up. The, margin, the margins are better on <laughs> the more expensive products, right? That's, that's why Apple makes a billion dollars, right? Uh, but as they use system-on-a-chips like, you know, and get sort of more regular for example there's no clock speed difference that you can pick you can't get a faster cpu you can't get an i7 i8 you know or, you know i'm sorry thinking of bmw again <laughs> you, can't an, you can't get an i5 an i7 and an i9 cpu it's just the m1 and whatever speed it's clocked at or whatever clock it's the same for all of them so they can only differentiate on for, uh, the thing that blows my mind is they're differentiating on gpu cores what has apple ever tried to differentiate their pricing models on gpu never like they give you a better gpu with the big one maybe especially if it's a discrete gpu but boy so weird so like they won't tell us the clock speed but they want us to know how many cores are working in the gpu and they, and they tell us the instruction caches so anyway the price range all this is, to say is the price range is the same uh the memory range of 8 to 16 8 as a default is terrible i wish they had all been 16 but so what as long as they offer 15 16 that's fine overall the assessment of the machine is like i said before it's like the previous macbook air but better in every way that you care about (laughs) like you know do you want the battery last longer do you want it to be faster do you want it to be quieter do you want it to be cooler and probably do you want the ssd to even be faster we don't have this in hand we can't benchmark it but i will confidently say that this thing is going to have amazing performance and battery life compared to the previous macbook air if you're disappointed that the macbook air can't support 32 gigs of memory you're not a macbook air customer i think it's fine (laughs) using it with eight i think is not fine so if someone in your life wants to buy this computer and they want to get the super cheap one with eight gigs i don't remember what the default was for the intel one but just in general i think it was the same eight eight gigs hmm, i I know it's their cheapest computer i gotta i understand it but eight gigs is not great 16 gigs i think is fine for a macbook air Uh, i said earlier that they have this chip the m1 they're going to use it across all their computers And they're going to use uh, all the computers that were introduced at the event, which is three computers, and they're going to use it in computers where it makes sense. This chip makes total sense in this computer. I said in the last show, what if they make the air fanless? And they did. They didn't have to. They could have put a a fan in there and then presumably clocked it higher like they do in in the other models that we're going to talk about, but they didn't because being fanless is a benefit and it's cool and on the macbook air model they're not dying to do you know tons of high performance work because it's the macbook air it's the casual mainline computer uh this marco said the computer is dated and it is it looks like a computer designed 2015 because more or less was or 2018 or whatever this design came from but on the inside i think it's pretty amazing i think this could especially if they redesign the macbook air sometime soon this could go down in history as like the new modern equivalent of the 2011 macbook air (laughs) given that the shape and everything is very similar because this is probably the biggest bump in performance and i mean that like in terms of how the product performs not necessarily like cpu benchmarks like performance as far as the customer is concerned from one year to the next because if you got an intel macbook air and then so your friend got this one your friend got the better computer by a lot you would be so jealous <laughs> your battery is dead in half the time your thing is so slow the fans are spinning up and their thing is sitting there quiet cool as a cucumber like an ipad with a hinge they would call it but faster <laughs> i think this is a phenomenal computer maybe you think it's boring because it doesn't have a touchscreen and face id and i want all those things cellular and i want all those things too but boy, I was I was blown away by this. It's as far as I'm concerned, this is like the no no compromises Intel MacBook Air. It's a compromise ARM MacBook Air for all the reasons that we talked about, or things they could have done and they could have had a fan. But if this was an Intel computer, we would be bowing down to worship it.
1: Yeah, and I the, my only reservations on the MacBook Air um, that that we will only be able to tell by like in people getting them and using them and everything is they made it fanless but the other two computers they launched with the exact same cpu have fans so clearly this is a chip that benefits from active cooling Uh, and by the way real-time follow-up in case any everybody hasn't emailed us yet the a12x is a four core high performance and four core low performance chip so it actually is the same core count as what is as what's in the m1 um so that's just for reference, anyway. Because um, we different we, cores, though. Yeah, different cores. The A twelve cores versus the A fourteen cores, and yeah, probably a clock difference and everything too. And anyway, so that's we were we were assuming earlier that the A twelve X was fewer cores, but it actually wasn't. Um, anyway, so back to this. My main reservation with the MacBook Air is, in order to make it fanless, how much did they have to either clock it down, or how much does it have to throttle its performance down under heavy load? Because obviously, they said twice uh, that on on the other Macs, they mentioned their active cooling, their fans, and they and they mentioned that it would allow them to, quote, sustain their performance. So what it sounds like, based on that, is the MacBook Air probably peaks at the same performance as the other ones, but I bet it has to throttle down after a, a couple of seconds, maybe, of, of high load to some kind of lower clock speed, just for thermal reasons. So it is probably going to be kind of peaky and limited in that way how much that matters to you is a different story and you know and certainly to most macbook air buyers it probably doesn't matter at all and it's still probably even in its throttled state it's still probably going to be way faster than the old one (laughs) Um, but that is something to be aware of here that the the 13 inch pro and the mac mini are able to quote sustain their performance by using fans so that means this can't do that Um, and then secondly we don't know how warm it's going to get like for me I cannot stand a hot laptop. Like it makes my hands all sweaty. It makes it really hard to use it. Like I I don't I hate heat radiating out of my out of my laptop as I'm using it. And one thing that, you know, you can make something fanless by just having it spread the heat around a lot and tolerating a high temperature as okay. Uh, i hope that's not what they've done here like i i hope that it's fanless because it just runs so cool in this configuration that it's it can be pleasantly cool and and still perform well but one way they could have also done it is it just radiates a lot of heat constantly and it's really warm in use and and i hope that's not the reality of using this computer so we'll find out uh but that those are two things to watch out for in the early reviews for sure
2: I'm very confident in the heat, and I'll tell you why. Especially given your, your real-time follow-up that the A12Z has uh, four high-performance and four high-efficiency cores and an eight-core GPU. This is f- built on five-nanometer process, and the A12Z is what, 10 nanometer? Seven. Unless this thing is clocked massively higher than, than the A12Z, we have a direct comparison. How hot does, does the A12Z get? I bet an A12Z iPad can get a little toasty playing a game for a long time. But in general, people don't complain about the iPad Pro getting super hot. I think this laptop will be exactly the same. That most pe- for most people, this will be the coolest, as in temperature, laptop they've ever used until they play a game. They're like, oh, I can finally hear, feel some warmth, right? Because it's not, it's not a situation where Apple was forced to make this fanless. If there was any doubt, they could have put a fan in there. Fanless iPads have existed for a really long time, and I have confidence that Apple will make the right sort of trade-off. You know, most of the laptops that get hot have been the ones that have fans that are screaming all the time, right? So um, in terms of throttling, this will almost certainly throttle, right? If it doesn't throttle, they didn't clock it high enough. Like I, I, this is the type of laptop you want to throttle because you want it to be able to peak high, but then most of the time you want it to be you know, going low. Like this is not the computer for doing your pro video editing, although I'm sure it will work fine for that and be better than most of the Mac laptops ever made. But if you care about that quote-unquote sustained workload, yeah, get one of the other models with a fan in it because that'll help it. But like this is the exact like I personally think this is exactly the right trade-off to make. Give me less consistent performance in exchange for having no fan and being having it be super cool all the time. And everything is relative. So you're like, "Oh, it's a little bit slower than it could be." If this is a little bit slower than it could be, is like 80% faster than the previous MacBook Air that quote-unquote didn't throttle because it had a fan. Who cares that it's throttling? It's so much faster. Yeah, like one,
1: one of the things they said in the presentation was that um, when they were talking about the M1, they said that the low-performance cores, like the efficiency cores, on their own have similar performance as the dual-core MacBook Air outgoing mm-hmm. from Intel. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> so like... It's like with, with four hands tied behind its back. Right. It's, yeah, right.
0: Exactly. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so this is this is pretty it's pretty likely that it, it I mean I think they they effectively outright told us that it will throttle. Like that's I, I'm I'm accepting throttling as a given because I think they literally said that. Uh but you know in their way <laughs> in the in the most PR way possible, they told us it will throttle. So that's yeah, that that's going to happen, I think. But uh how much it matters remains to be seen and how much it matters for this product, I think the answer. I think John you're right that this is the right move for this product.
0: Yeah, you know, I was I was impressed by the presentation and I enjoyed the presentation, but I didn't come away from it thinking, oh my God, my 13-inch MacBook Pro, my Intel 13-inch MacBook Pro is a piece of garbage that needs to be thrown into the sea. Now, part of that is (laughs) surely because there wasn't a direct, there wasn't a direct comparison, right? There is a, there is...
2: And Apple is still selling them too, so they might not want to tell you that.
0: (laughs) Right. So, Fair point. Um, But, you know, listening to you, John... I'm not in the same place in my computing life that I was when I bought my adorable, my one port MacBook, which I bought in like 2017 or thereabouts. But the more I think about it, the more I think that the things I loved about the, the adorable were that it was incredibly small and incredibly light, a little smaller than than the MacBook Air. I'm not sure if it's lighter off the top of my head. Um, but it was incredibly small and it was incredibly light. And even though I am nowhere near as offended as the two of you are by fan noise, I don't like fan noise. You know, I would rather not have fan noise if I have the choice. And that also did not have a fan. And I loved that computer so much, even despite all its flaws. And there were two major, major, major flaws to that computer. The first one was that it only had one port. You know, it, it only had one USB-C port. And it was only USB-C. It wasn't um, Thunderbolt. So that severely limited what you could connect in terms of the the quality of thing you, you could connect because you could only get USB-C things. You couldn't get Thunderbolt things. But it obviously limited the quantity of what you can connect. So if I were to record a podcast for the sake of discussion... I need a dongle that will give me uh, like traditional USB out and USB-C in for power. I would need a dongle just to plug in power and a microphone, which is kind of ridiculous if you think about
1: it. Yeah, And one thing you don't want is for your live audio gear to be plugged in through a dongle because they are (laughs) never 100% reliable. Ever, ever, ever.
0: Right. So that was a huge flaw. And you know what? Check. It's been fixed. There's two ports. I'd prefer four for sure, but I mean, two is better than one. And the other thing that really stank about the adorable in in a way that was arguably much worse than the one port, because the one port bothered me frequently, but it's incredibly slow performance bothered me always. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) from any measure, this forthcoming MacBook Air, it's going to be way faster than the adorable was. And potentially, like we've been saying, way faster than the existing MacBook Air that it's replacing, in in most cases anyway. So not, not
2: potentially 100% it's going to be faster. <laughs> sure. I, when when they said this, and when they got done with this part of the presentation, I said, "Is there anything that the fastest MacBook Pro you can buy today will actually do faster than this fanless MacBook Air?" That's the thing to watch for in the specs. Don't watch for how much <laughs> faster is it than your stupid adorable. How much faster is it? When they showed the <laughs> specs and when they put it on a big chart, try to find something that the top end, most expensive 16-inch i9 macbook pro does faster than this fanless air in terms of cpu and gpu speed that's what i'm looking for i'm not even comparing it to forget about the period it's going to blow all those things away it's like okay but is does it embarrass apple's most expensive laptop this fanless thing i think single threaded yes single threaded we know it does right the a14 already does right but but multi-threaded GPU, well, discrete GPU, it's going to lose out on that, you know. Yeah, I mean, we we
1: we can tell that. Like, if you look at um, you know, any benchmark that benchmarks the A14, um, and you compare that to Max, you know, like you know, I always like Geekbench. You may have your benchmark of choice, but you look at that, and it basically it, we're still looking at multi-threaded, you know, multi-core performance that scales up with core count and. You know The the four high-performance cores in the latest iPads, uh, or it's in the old iPads now, um, and the the two high-performance cores in the A14, we can kind of extrapolate, and we're not going to beat the 8-core MacBook Pro, or the 10-core iMac Pro, or the God knows how many cores Mac Pro, until Apple delivers an M chip with more cores. Simple as that. They just need more of them. And I don't see any reason why they can't release that you know sometime in the next year.
2: I don't know if that's necessarily the case, though, and Apple will make the same point. Uh, when I say compare it, you know, doing something, I'm saying like a real-world task. And that's They leaned on this as well. They said, like, let's do a thing with an app. Let's encode a bunch of video. Let's, you know, I forget what their examples were. Let's play, you know, 4, 4K, multiple 4K video streams, whatever. You know, let's process raw images in Lightroom, or whatever it is they were trying to show. Because, especially in the case of Apple apps, when Apple is able to tune its software to its specific hardware they can get ridiculous numbers that are not that it's not possible for apps that are just intel apps that are just made for generic intel cpus you know now eventually the apps will catch up with that on on apple's platforms or so apple hopes but i think that even cases where it is it is spec, like oh well you know the the eight core uh macbook pro has eight full power cores and i've just got four good cores and four wimpy ones right um maybe it gets outclassed there but maybe it still completes the task faster in one of Apple's apps because Apple has, you know, custom tailored and optimized it for its specific hardware. And in the end, that's what people care about, right? So I'm, I'm basically saying like synthetic benchmarks versus application performance. I'm still not entirely counting out against an eight core, against obviously a twelve core, or whatever. As the core counts go up, you know, it loses, right? But and in GPU, I think it's going to lose two to the biggest discrete GPUs that Apple ships, and certainly it won't be as fast as like a gaming PC or whatever. But I am very optimistic about direct performance comparisons to pretty much any Intel Mac laptop, except for in the extreme cases.
1: Yeah, I mean, my best guess is, you know, performance-wise, again, having known nothing about this except seeing the A14 in iPads and phones so far, my best guess is, you know, right now the A14 uh, Geekbench single core is in the 1500 range. I'm guessing we're somewhere near that maybe a little bit higher from clock differences maybe we're at like 1700 or at most 2000 but like you know the best max are like 1200 so <laughs> we're already single core going to be you know significantly higher possibly like 50 percent higher um possibly more so that's we're looking at significant gain single threaded multi-threaded this is interesting this is where it gets interesting um the new ipad air which is the fastest A14 but only has two high performance cores has a multi core score of about 4200 and if you imagine that can be doubled with having four cores instead of two on the high performance end to roughly 8000 uh, including and, and you know it doesn't scale exactly linearly but we, you know we do also have a higher thermal envelope here um, probably a higher base clock so if we get roughly Eight thousand multi-core on Geekbench, uh, whatever this is five, I think. Then that puts it in the performance category of an eight-core iMac, That's and nice. that puts it ahead of every MacBook Pro. So it <laughs> might, it might actually be faster than the MacBook Pro in CPU-bound things. Where it won't probably be able to compete is with discrete GPUs for GPU-bound stuff. So like, I'm not expecting it to to crush the other laptops or desktops in things like video editing that heavily rely on the GPU. And probably, you know, gaming is not going to be like a massive thing for lots of reasons. But, you know, that's anything that's heavily GPU bound. I expect these to still not do very well. And I think Apple will get there. Like (laughs) this is this is step one. I think they'll get there for the rest. But for CPU bound tasks, I am optimistic. I think these things are going to be quite something. And I think once they eventually do an update to the 16 inch. And possibly a, a you know a fourteen inch or whatever, that I think is where things are going to get really hot, and and it's not in a bad way, <laughs> the good the good version yeah. of mine.
2: <laughs> so I'm very much looking forward to that. Before we move on to the uh the, to oh, the no, wait,
0: I haven't even finished my thesis here. Hold on, we're, oh, okay. we're on our seventeenth sidetrack. So us, I'll, I'll I'll try to yeah I know I'll try to make it brief, but you know I I went on this meandering point that I'll try to close now, which is you know if you look at why I bought the the adorable in 2017 or thereabouts, I wanted something that was basically like an iPad but wasn't constrained, uh, please email somebody else. Uh, I wanted it to run Mac OS, but I wanted it to be light and portable. And I had to trade off having more than one port. I had to trade, And I mean, heck, even my iPad pro from what, two years ago now, now it has two ports thanks to the keyboard. Um, but I, I need, I had to t- make the trade off of only one port and that bothered me frequently, but I also had to make the trade off of just dog slow performance. Like even when the thing was brand new, it was not a particularly fast computer. And I knew that going into it, but it got real bad after a year, really, really bad after a couple of years. And so that was something that bothered me every time I used the computer. And now you're telling me for a thousand bucks, because I think I paid like $2,500 for that computer or something like that for a thousand bucks, you can get a MacBook air that has two ports and will absolutely smoke that adorable. Like, how do you say no to that? I mean, you you can't. It's, it's it's phenomenal. And and to extrapolate what the gains could be on a proper 13-inch MacBook Pro, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, or even a 16-inch MacBook Pro, which is not really the computer for me anymore, but I can understand those who like it. Like this is this is going to be something, and this this is going to be an interesting and exciting ride over the next six to twelve months.
2: So some limitations, and these these limitations are – some of them are across the whole line. Some of them might just be this one computer. Um, Only 2 terabytes for the max SSD size. The fact that all the other machines have the same limitation makes me wonder if it is a product choice or some kind of inherent limitation. I bet it's probably just a product choice, especially on the air, although it would have been nice to offer a 4-terabyte model because, as Apple itself has pointed out several times, sometimes the computer you want like is weirdly balanced like you're like i don't care about cpu or gpu performance but i store a lot of stuff like so please storage is important to me so i want i would love an air that has four terabytes of storage right or vice versa i need very little storage of a really fast cpu uh they don't give you that flexibility so kind of like the ram only 8 and 16 uh you know the, the ssd only goes up two terabytes kind of disappointing no eGPU support despite the fact that it has thunderbolt uh apple says no no external gpus for you so if you're not happy with the gpu that's in there you cannot use an external gpu it only supports one external display starting to smell a little bit like an ipad now isn't it only supports (laughs) one external display it the external display it supports it can support the 6k display at 60 hertz right so it can support apple's big display which is great but i think a lot of nobody has apple's big display and a lot of people have two small displays and if you're thinking of using those two ports to connect to two displays not going to happen which is kind of disappointing they did find the
1: one guy in the world who has a mac mini connected to their six thousand dollar display though for the video
2: (laughs) i mean yeah so i mean they want it like i think this is good if apple's going to sell a big giant expensive monitor with tons of pixels all of their macs sold in the years after should support it uh even the wimpy ones and i think that's great i think it's not saying oh you need a pro computer to connect that display nope the mini will do it the air will do it the limitation of one display though is kind of disappointing and i feel like that is a hangover from the ipad architecture from which this is derived slash shared with or whatever we'll find out in the coming years
1: i think this is all it's these are all just like signs that what they have updated is still only their low-end products you know like like people are complaining we'll get to this later uh people are complaining like they like there's no four port update to the 13 inch for instance and the mini lost a few io ports which we'll get to in a second but like overall what they updated is only their low end stuff and we'll see what comes once they get around to the high end which i'm guessing you know probably next year maybe next summer you know something like that we'll see what changes which of these limitations get lifted and which ones don't uh, i i would expect higher ram ceilings although how they do that is up for debate you know wh- whether it's whether the RAM, the ram goes off package and they have like you know soldered or socketed in various models um, that's that's a big question mark, because their right now their high end products support very large amounts of RAM that would be impractical to keep in package in, in the SoC. So I'm assuming that their high end models will have off package RAM and, and maybe use the additional space in the package for more CPU cores. Um, GPU support is still very much a question mark. You know we we don't you know they they took out eGPU support so far. We don't know if it'll ever come back. I'm guessing probably not. I'm guessing every GPU that ever runs on Apple Silicon is an Apple GPU. But then that raises a huge question of what the heck they do with the Mac Pro. Do they have Apple GPUs on something like MPX modules that you can buy like three or four of them and slot them in later? Maybe. That's one possibility. Will they support other GPUs from other manufacturers? I don't know. Probably not if I had to guess now, but I don't know. These are all questions that will be answered as they release higher-end products, and we're just not there yet. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily assume anything about their, their high-end limitations uh, from what we have so far. But we can certainly take educated guesses, and, and, I, and I do think that the likelihood of external GPUs from other manufacturers being supported is low. Uh, but that doesn't mean that Apple can't take their own GPUs and make them external to the package for their higher end products and, and kind of still have like discrete GPUs just for like, you know, chip size and heat reasons. Um, that is still on the table, I think, but, um, you know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't assume that we're going to get like, you know, AMD or Nvidia support, certainly not Nvidia, (laughs) probably not AMD support either. And, but, but I also wouldn't assume that that would preclude the existence of high end expandability and options. Like, honestly I, I think having a having you know mark Gurman's theoretical smaller mac pro that has slots for the you know apple g3 g5 and g7 gpus they can slot in there and different configurations like that's that's a possibility i wouldn't rule it out um and i think that that's actually probably a more likely possibility than what they have now which is like we'll take parts from other people and put them in nope don't see that happening but i also don't see them taking a mac pro and making it not expandable again So we'll see what happens in the high end. Anyway, this is all... We're getting ahead of ourselves here. Right now, we're looking at the low end. And while a lot of people are really upset that it's capped at 16 gigs of RAM and two Thunderbolt ports, that is in line with their previous low-end products that this is replacing. And the high-end stuff that has more than that, they just haven't replaced yet. So we really don't know.
2: So speaking of low-end, the Mac Mini was the next computer and... If you look at the specs and limitations, it looks very familiar. It's an M1. It goes from 5GB <laughs> SSD to 2TB. It can have 8 or 16 gigs of RAM. It has no external GPU support. It has Thunderbolt slash USB 4 ports on it. Um, it's a little bit Mac Mini. It's just got an HDMI port on the back. It's got USB-A ports. Um, It supports two external displays, but I think only because it's got the HDMI port. So the Thunderbolt port supports up to the 6K display at 60 hertz. And then the HDMI port supports up to 4K resolution at 60 hertz, right? Um, It, you know, it has... We didn't mention this about the other one either, but both this and the Air have a headphone jack. We didn't mention it, which means just assume that still, I guess, headphone jack still exists on these computers. Um, The thing that surprised me the most about the Mac Mini other than it only coming in silver and not coming in space gray, which is a little baffling, uh, is that it has a fan. Because when they introduced the fanless MacBook Air, I'm like, well, the Mac Mini is a similar kind of low-end computer, right? Like, if you can make the MacBook Air fanless, you can make the Mini fanless. But they didn't, which makes me think, again, we have no idea because they won't tell us. They, like, literally won't tell us. People asked them and they said, you know, whatever they say. We're not talking about this today. Uh, Is the Mac Mini clocked higher than the MacBook Air? Seems like it's got to be, right? Because why... Why would you need a fan in the Mac Mini, which has way more room for airflow and cooling and everything compared to a MacBook Air, and not need it in the air? So the Mac Mini could end up being a little speed demon because it's got a fan, probably a very quiet fan, um, running on that same, that same M1 uh, system on the chip. Um, what is, I don't know if I think I put this in the notes. Do they even offer a 7GPU core version in the Mac Mini? Or are they no, all that's,
1: that's only for the Air.
2: All right, so it's all it's all the top bin parts. It's the same M1, presumably clock tire, but everything else about it is the same. They dropped the price $100, the entry-level price. It used to be $799. Now the entry-level is 699 Um And they're differentiating the only... So given all the specs are just set, the only thing they have to differentiate the Mac Mini, how can you charge more for it, is storage. Because nothing else about it changes. Like RAM, I guess. But like RAM and storage, Like it's they're really getting... I, and like how long will the ram last like we talked about this before the RMX max came out you differentiate ios devices just by storage what size phone is marco getting 128 256 we never ask him how much ram he's getting because you're getting what you're getting right so it's nice that they gave two choices for ram uh i dread the day they give one choice and it's like eight gigabytes or something uh but yeah this one doesn't even differ in the gpu cores. uh if you are interested in a mac mini to be a tiny little intel server this is not your computer because it's not <laughs> intel Um, what ports did it lose versus the intel ones i forget i think it lost some usbs i think just two USB C ports yeah oh and a gigabit ethernet instead of 10 gig the intel mac mini has 10 gig ethernet why does it have gigabit ethernet well you might not know this but ethernet has not big been a big feature on the ipads and iphones thus far (laughs) in history (laughs) right
0: so but it's supported it's supported certainly on the ipad and possibly on iphones i don't remember but i know it's supported on ipad
2: yeah but not 10 not 10 gig ethernet
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah and that, and that could be a you know PCIE lane thing. Um, mm-hmm. more likely it's probably just a high end versus low end thing. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they do later once there is a higher end M chip for their higher end products, they might offer a higher end configuration of the Mac mini with that chip.
2: Yeah, like once they integrate that because they've had no reason thus far to make 10 gig Ethernet support in any of their arm based products. And arguably, with this line of things that they've released, they still kind of don't. I know the old Intel Mac Mini had it just because it's probably cheap and easy to make with given the chipsets that work with the Intel things, but they don't quite have it yet. So there are some regressions, but the entry level price being lower is great. Uh, I think this is, and you know, and the performance, again, <laughs> the performance compared to the past Mac Mini this should have phenomenal performance especially since you don't really care about the gpu probably in a mac mini if you're just using it as a little server or something but even if you're not like so the the picture that everyone's making fun of that the mac mini sitting there uh you know and connected to an apple 6k display where the computer costs less money than the stand that is holding the monitor up, <laughs> <laughs>
0: right it's, so good. it's
2: like it's sitting on i think they had it sitting on top of the stand yeah it's a little bit absurd in some respects but in other respects what I thought about was, here's what I immediately thought about. I like, with the uh, the Intel transition kits, the developer transition kits, they they like, what do they do? They give you like, you send back the developer transition kit and they give you a good deal on like a, an Intel iMac or something. I would love to send back my developer transition kit. By the way, I just uploaded my ARM versions of all my apps to the store. They're available now if you want to go get them. Um, I would love to send that back and have them give me a good deal on an ARM-based Mac Mini. And you know what I'd do with that ARM-based Mac Mini? I would sit it on the stand that costs more money than it does, and I would connect it to my 6K (laughs) display. Because, you know, you could have a whole second computer with the same peripherals and the same desk setup, and it would be a fast computer. It would be faster in single-core performance than the gigantic Mac Pro that's over there,
1: right? Just take your display, keyboard, and mouse, and disconnect them from your old computer that you're switching away from, and plug them into Mac Mini
2: just bluetooth right i I mean i I do this with my laptop like you know the magic of bluetooth accessories like it it, you know that all i'm saying is that a mac mini connected to an absurdly large display only sounds ridiculous because you think of a mac mini as a wimpy computer it's not wimpy it's got the same m1 chip as the other three computers and this one has a fan on it which probably means it's clocked higher and can sustain higher speeds this mac mini again like, what, what are we going to be comparing to? Are we going to be benchmarking against the Mac Mini? Or, as Marco mentioned before, are we going to be benchmarking against the 8-core iMac? <laughs> like, it is <laughs> it is not a... Win- it's a, it's an inexpensive computer, and it's silly to connect it to a $7,000 monitor setup, but if you've already got a $7,000 monitor setup, it's suddenly <laughs> faster than wow. your Mac Pro. All three of you. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I'm just saying, like... Hell of a flex there, Joe. <laughs> this Mac Mini is going to be faster than my Mac Pro in almost everything not related to gaming right it's it's terrifying and obviously it's it's you know 16 gigs of ram so, on and so on. it's a limited computer but you know i i think this mac mini is perfectly fine and i think like the like the intel mac mini it's a bit of a sleeper in terms of performance like if you don't care about the places where it's weak like if you're not like gonna play games on it for instance doing day-to-day stuff and you have an external monitor that you like because a lot of people have external monitors that they like it's not bad now the fact that you can only do a 6k and a 4k monitor one has to be hdmi and one thunderbolt that's a little bit limiting if you want like a three monitor setup or whatever but i think this is a perfectly fine computer i'm excited to see a price drop again don't try to allocate the money you'll just get sad don't try to think about how much less the m1 costs apple to put in these machines than the intel chips because it's a lot less and they do not pass that savings on to you for the most part i know it's a (laughs) hundred dollars less but in general apple is benefiting more from this savings than you are which is fine like for prices to be stable or to go down a hundred dollars on the low end i think that's all fine i give apple a pass on that i think the mac mini is fine can you imagine how many
1: more of these mac minis they would sell if they sold a 5k external display for like a thousand or fifteen hundred bucks
2: that's crazy talk they would never make a 5k display I don't even know how to make a 5K display. Apple has never shipped a 5K display, except inside other computers. Don't look at those.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I couldn't agree with you more, Marco. I, I, I'm not in the market for a new computer, for, in any capacity, really, but particularly to replace my iMac Pro, which we should talk about eventually one day at some point. But um, if I were to replace an, uh, the iMac Pro tomorrow and if there was a 5k like first party display i would really think hard about getting exactly that i love this imac pro i really do but the mac mini should be a screamer for all the sorts of things i would want to do and made it with a decent 5k display i mean why wouldn't you
1: yeah that's that's why like more than ever the giant hole in apple's lineup for displays is not only apparent but i think holding them back at this point
0: yeah agreed
2: yeah, I, this is another instance again. Uh, the two terabyte SSD max on on a Mac Mini, you feel like can't you give me the four option? There's plenty of room. Thermals aren't a concern. You've got a fan. This is where you start to think, is it actually a limitation of? I, I don't understand how it could be though. But maybe it feels like well, it was the the storage management stuff was tailored to the iPad, and the biggest iPad is one terabyte. But it just seems it seems a missed opportunity not to give higher ceilings at SSD size because. Just to be clear, the SSDs are not on the package with the system on a chip. Those are elsewhere on the board. So there's no sort of packaging constraint saying you can't fit more than, you know, they, they could. And, and they would price it ridiculously, and we, we know how it goes with Apple and storage. And just saying, like, capacity-wise, you know, it, it hurts a little bit more for them for the Mac Mini to not be able to scale up.
1: Yeah, I mean, and it could be as simple as these are their low end products. I mean, they they historically have not offered their highest SSD sizes in their lowest end products. Like you couldn't get a four terabyte MacBook Air before.
2: But isn't their highest size eight now, not four?
1: On the high end products, yes, but again, you couldn't get those in the Airs.
2: I, I feel like now that you can get eight on the big ones, you should be able to get four on the lesser products.
1: Maybe, but it, it, I think the more the more likely explanation, besides, I, I think it's both. I think it's both the you know product segment, product segmentation of you know wanting to push people with higher end needs to the higher end products. And I think it's possibly just the reality of like how many chips does that take on the board to offer those larger capacities and how
2: much room do you want to devote to those on these products? Well, the problem with the Mac mini though is that the higher end version of that is $6,000. <laughs> yes. Cause there, there is no other headless desktop computer that they sell. You go from mini to something that's like 17 times the volume of the mini 20, 30. How many Mac minis could I fit inside my computer? A, A lot. lot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oh my word. All right, so we should talk about the MacBook Pro. Now, it, it was so obvious when I heard them say this, but it didn't occur to me until I was listening to dithering I think this morning and well, I forget if it was John or Ben, but one of them said, you know, you could think of the MacBook Pro that was released yesterday as the spiritual successor to what Marco dubbed the MacBook Escape. And so this was the MacBook Pro, the, you know, the, the Escape was the MacBook Pro, you know, Intel of course that did not have a touch bar and it only had two ports. Is that correct, Marco? Yep. Okay. So this new MacBook Pro running on the M1 also has two ports and in many in many many ways with with the exception of having a touch bar now, seems like it's kind of the spiritual successor of the MacBook Escape, in that it is a MacBook Pro in name, but maybe not in other ways, question mark. But nevertheless, I mean, it's, it's nice, and if you don't mind giving up a couple of ports, I, I don't know why you wouldn't be interested in this. I, the reason I'm not interested in it is because I really don't want to replace a six-month-old laptop because my name is not Marco, uh, but beyond that, I do use all the ports in this laptop. Perhaps I'm just port crazy now that I've spent three years without them, but there are occasions when I'll have, like, Ethernet plugged in and a phone plugged in or maybe even a phone and an iPad plugged in and, of course, power, so I don't want to go back down to two, but... If I didn't mind, this would be a very interesting and compelling machine.
1: Yeah, I mean, and to be clear, like, there have been, as you mentioned, like, the 13-inch MacBook Pro has actually been two very different products since 2016. Um, You know, since they went to this generation with, like, Touch Bar and crappy keyboards at first and everything. Like, the the 13-inch MacBook Pro has always had, like, the the low-end model, which is basically a souped-up Air in many ways. And the higher end model, which usually had it had it always had four ports on the higher end model, and it usually had it always had the touch bar. But it's, it's always been these two very different products. One of them was basically a souped up Air. The other one was was re- like really what you'd expect from a quote MacBook Pro. And they've only replaced the lower end one here. Again, it's only the low end products. So. Many people are especially upset at them calling this quote pro while not offering higher RAM than 16 gigs and, and everything like that. And again, I think that's reasonable when you look at what they replaced so far and what they haven't gotten to yet. Um, the, the higher end 13 inch pro has always been a higher end product. It's always used higher grade CPUs, higher, higher thermal envelopes, higher performance, higher core counts for for most of the time. Um, so, Again, I think it's reasonable what they've done here. It's just that the computer that a lot of people want as the, quote, 13-inch MacBook Pro, they haven't replaced that one yet uh, because that's the higher-end one. Um, That that said, I do take issue with when they have only two ports. Why don't they put one on each side?
0: (laughs) Yeah, a lot of people are very upset about this. Because
1: one of the most wonderful luxuries ever since they went to all USB-C on the laptops in 2016— one of the wonderful luxuries of having a four-port model is that you can plug in the charging cable on either side, depending on whatever was convenient for you. Now, there have been a few asterisks on this arrangement <laughs> so far. Um, in many of these computers, one side had more Thunderbolt bandwidth than the other. There's a common problem with the bigger ones that like, if you plug it into the left side or something, it makes the whole thing run hotter. And if you plug it to the right side, it doesn't for some reason. Like, there's a few weirdnesses that have cropped up. But for the most part, as, as somebody who for the most of this time has owned four-port models, uh, having the ability to plug the charging cable in on either side is a wonderful little nicety. And I do wish that for the two-port models, they would put one port on the right.
2: So now that we've seen all three of these computers here, I, it is like like the two-port 13-inch MacBook Pro, like you said, it, the, the MacBook Escape. You could squint and see that as just like an error in a different case. But with these three new ARM computers that they've rolled out, right, it's basically the same computer in three different sort of mm-hmm. contexts. One of them is a fanless, thin laptop. Uh, but in terms of like what's in there, it's the same stuff that's in the mini, but now it's got a fan and a couple different ports. And that's the same stuff that's in the MacBook Pro, but now it's a laptop with fans and a bigger battery and so on and so forth. And like, a touch like, bar. We Yeah, right. We know we know the M1 is in all of them, but also most of the limitations are the same across all of them. Eight or sixteen gigs of RAM across the board, of only up to two terabyte SSD, only two ports, two Thunderbolt slash USB four ports, right? I wouldn't be surprised if they crack these things open, like I fix it, and looks at the, the motherboards of all of them, and that the motherboards actually look kind of similar in terms of <laughs> what's on them, right? And if you looked at the motherboard when they showed it, like floating into the. Uh i think it was the macbook air when they showed it floating in it looked for all the world like an ipad mother you know logic board quote-unquote logic board or whatever because it's like oh that's a skinny thing off to the side and it makes room for the big battery in the ipad right or like if you've seen what the logic board and the phone looks like it's just like oh it's this it's basically a giant battery and then along the edge there's this little tiny thing that's the actual phone that's what these things are like too so the limitations of this sort of system this m1 based system Uh, and marco mentioned pci express lanes right how how much bandwidth is there how much connectivity can you even have how much ram can we even fit in the system on a chip it's basically the same and and these three computers they introduce are the three computers where this sort of system this set of constraints is reasonable there are places where it, where it's like, you know, a little bit unreasonable, like, again, the storage thing or whatever, and it would be better if they supported more monitors and so on and so forth. But if you looked at Apple's existing line and said, "We here here is the M1-based system, and here are its possible capabilities, what computers will this fit into? This is the three you would pick, because these are the three where this type of thing makes sense. None of the other models does it really make sense to have these limitations. You can't do the quote-unquote good 13 inch macbook pro and just have two ports you can't do the 16 inch you can't do an imac you can't do a mac pro right this set of constraints only works in these computers and this computer is the one where it is probably pressed the most even though as marco said it's like it's people don't understand it's replacing the lesser 13 which has always been a weirdo computer and by the way it's replacing the lesser 13 with cpu and battery performance that blows away any 13 ever made right (laughs) people apparently don't care about that all of a sudden people don't care about performance and battery life anyone complaining about these computers i give it to them for one day and have them look at that battery meter and not go down and they'll you know again assuming apple's claims are correct nobody has these computers i don't know i'm just i have faith that it will perform as behaved um it's kind of fascinating and it's 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 fascinating for both of the reason of like how they're rolling this out and also about the future which i guess oh, we'll get through this computer first and i'll talk more about the future but what else is there anything else to say about this computer um battery life is even bigger than the air as you can imagine because it's not wedge shaped right up to 17 hours of wireless web your your brain may be breaking on these numbers you'd be like i get like five hours out of my macbook what are they talking about 17 hours that must be a typo we'll find out but like you know how long your your ipad lasts and this has bigger batteries than your ipad right um 61 watt power adapter whereas the uh, air has a 30 watt right again this has a fan presumably it's clocked higher but apple won't tell us um and the pricing is the same uh, more or less uh and d- differentiated only based on ssd size and i suppose ram
1: yeah i i'm very interested to see how much faster it is than the air and in, in real world use and in benchmarks because the the, the cooling system it has to mean something here and they, they again they said as much with you know the whole thing about sustaining its performance like so i know it's going to be faster than the air i don't know how much faster and how much that matters and and will a fan be noticeably loud during high performance or or can they only give it a little bit of active cooling and that that might be enough who knows like time will tell but i'm i'm very interested to, to find out
0: can i ask a dumb question why is the power adapter on the MacBook Pro double the wattage? Like, obvious. I, I some of this, I think I could explain away by perhaps maybe a difference in the screen or I actually know, but this the, should be the same screens. I mean, presumably.
2: What's the what's the battery size? It's a fifty-eight watt hour battery. Yeah, the, like the MacBook Air
1: is is something like fifty, and this is something like sixty, or it's something like that. But yeah,
2: yeah, it's it's fifty and well fifty and fifty-eight. It's not that much bigger. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think I just put the bigger one in it because. If it's going to have that sustained performance, you need a power adapter that can keep up with maximum power draw from everything. And maybe all they had on hand is thirty and sixty watts. And if thirty watt won't do it, which might be borderline, give them a sixty.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's to be to be clear. That's also what the previous ones used. Like the the previous Air was thirty, and the previous thirteen inch Pro was sixty. Um, I'm guessing this is partly like keep everything external the same, and and also you know the the power adapter is sometimes the limiting factor with high-end workloads like video encoding. Sometimes the laptop can't actually be pull- fully powered by the power adapter, and that's when you see some models that actually will slowly discharge themselves even when plugged in when doing something like a heavy video encode. And that's more tolerable on something like an Air than it is on something called MacBook Pro that's going to be used by video people. So that could be a situation as well. I'm guessing it's probably that's probably not going to be a major factor, but um, it could just be like, Pros want the battery to charge faster. Uh, you know, it could be as simple as that.
2: And to be clear, this this only supports one external monitor as well. That's another thing that can draw power. That is this one probably hurts the most because it is MacBook Pro. It does have two ports. The ports do look the same as each other, but you cannot connect two monitors to them. Why? Because like I said, it's this is this is the system they give you, you it, it makes me wonder how they managed to give HDMI output on the Mac Mini and not and maybe like maybe you know the hdmi output can be limited to 4k because of limitations of the, of the hdmi spec that they're using or whatever uh, but once you have these thunderbolt ports it would be weird to have like you know if you plug in a 6k monitor into one thunderbolt port now you all you can plug into the other thunderbolt port is like a 720p monitor or something i don't know um but it's that's that's a pretty disappointing limitation i feel like it is just that that is the one of the more painful inherited traits of this overall system that the macbook pro gets One more power adapter theory also um, is that
1: they will presumably at some point in the next year launch a higher-end 13-inch MacBook Pro. Or maybe 14 inch, but maybe they want to use the same adapter for both because it's very confusing if you have a 13 inch MacBook Pro and you need a power adapter and they have to say which one, <laughs> right? Because um, right. people won't even know which one they
2: have. <laughs> so you you got to feel you got to feel along the sides to see are there ports on the right side? Yeah, oh, just right. A headphone port. This is
0: the smaller adapter, <laughs> right? So it well, could it could, it could be I'm, also
1: just planning for the future where they just want to have one power adapter for each size class, and that that could be it.
0: Well, what I was hoping to back one of the three of us into is. Is it feasible or possible that they would crank up the clock speed or something on the M1 specifically in the MacBook Pro, or I suppose the Mini for that matter, and make it considerably quicker than the one in the Air? I don't think that's what's happening. I think your theories are, are better, but is it possible?
2: It's limited by cooling, not by power draw. I imagine like that's it's always you know it's it's not as if you can go go faster. It's kind of like the uh, what's like that? the switch is like that. The switch actually goes faster when it's in its dock. Right? Uh yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's powered. That's a battery mm-hmm. life savings, but I think in this case it's the dissipation of heat that's limiting the speed these things can go. So I don't think you can clock it any faster if you plug it in. Yeah.
1: And also think about battery math here. Like if you're if you're running a 30 watt adapter and maxing out how much power it can draw on a 60 watt hour battery, that's not going to last a lot of hours. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? So fair. like they these are like peak charge level or, you know, peak power draws not meant to be anything sustained.
0: That actually reminds me that a common thread I heard throughout the entirety of yesterday's presentation, but particularly um, when it came to the discussion of the M1 was that everything was couched and hedged to some degree as low power? Like this is the fastest low power processor ever put in a, in a into a computer. This is the this is the best. Oh yeah,
1: the one for the thirteen inch. There were like five words in that qualification. It was like the fastest of any like you know
2: fastest thirteen inch silver computer with an Apple logo on it. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> there were so that was so many qualifications on that one. It was kind of ridiculous.
0: Yeah, it, it's it, it's absolutely true. Um, but I don't know. It it occurred to me. Like uh, the the the, the non tinfoil hat justification for that was that hey you know there are other computers that exist today that are not low power that are quite a bit quicker simple as that but I couldn't help but wonder is it that there's going to be which presumably there will be one day but is there is that there is it that there's a you know an M1 Z an M1 plus an M1 plus plus or what have you that is a high power version of this chip that is going to be in an entirely different class and they're just setting up for, you know, in the future, in the next presentation saying, well, you know how we kept talking about how low power it was? Well, here in the Mac pro where we don't care about low power, look at how she screams, you know, or something like that. And I think it, the simple answer is probably the right answer, but it could, it, I couldn't help but wonder if, if all of this hedging was a, a very quiet nod to the future.
2: Well, that brings me to my next point about the future, right? So, Uh, obviously Apple can do whatever it wants with the Macs. That's why we talked about uh, the various, the spectrums, the possibilities of what they could do with the hardware, what they could do with the CPUs. Uh, But we did have the history of all the iOS devices before it. Right. Uh, And it turns out what they did was with the hardware, similar to what they did with the Intel and with the system on a chip, they reused the stuff they already had for the iPad and the phone in not radically different configurations. Right now on the iOS side, the cadence has been more or less, you know, you get the A13 and the next year you get the A14, right? They've just gone, it's, the number has gone up once each year, A7, A8, A9, like it's fairly like clockwork. And there are variants during the year and trailing where you get the Z and the X variants, which have been for the, the bigger versions of them. But for the most part, you know, we got the A14 in our phones this year. Nobody is looking forward to an A15-based phone this year. Well, obviously, it's the end of the year, it doesn't make sense. But you know what I mean? Like, there's the, the idea that, You're going to increment that number after the letter more than once in a year. That hasn't happened on the iOS side. And because we we assume, and thus far Apple has done nothing to dissuade us from this, that the Mac gets basically not the leftovers from the iPad and the phone, but basically Apple does the work for the phone and to a lesser extent for the iPad. And now the Mac gets the benefit of that, right? But so far... Apple has yet to show that they are doing some work that is clearly only for the Mac. If you look at the M1, it looks a lot like an A14 with more cores and stuff in it, right? So we're like, okay, we've got this, these new Macs. These are low-end Macs. They get the M1, right? And now we're like, yeah, maybe like maybe in January, February, or March, or maybe in the spring, we'll see the M2. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. The M2? We just gave you the M1, <laughs> If you follow the same cadence as the iOS things, you shouldn't be expecting an M2 until next November because we just gave you the M1. Now, M1X, M1Z, something like that, maybe. But don't go looking for an M2 because you're not going to see an M2 until, you know, next fall at the earliest. We don't know that that's what the cadence is going to be. But if the M2 is based on the A15, that's not an unreasonable assumption. All this is to say that the future of this line of computers, like, oh, and I bet they're going to do the 16 inch MacBook Pro in the spring. If they do the 16 inch MacBook Pro in the spring, expect its CPU and GPU to look an awful lot like the current one, maybe with more cores. Don't expect the 16 inch MacBook Pro to come out in the spring with an M2 with entirely different CPU and GPU cores. That would be awesome if that happened we would all love it but it seems to me that everything apple has actually done so far makes me think that they really really want to share sort of a foundational technology stack with their other products which makes perfect sense that's the whole reason you know that, that Macs are getting these to begin with is that apple didn't have to go to the drawing board and start a whole new cpu and gpu architecture they had the work they had already done now that makes that raises the question What the hell is an M1X or an M1Z? Because the M1 is already basically an A14X. I guess you just put on a a, a different letter at the end and give it more cores? Because, you know, you can give it more cores. You can give it more high-performance cores, more high-efficiency cores. You can scale out the GPU. Presumably, they can give it more PCI Express lanes for more Thunderbolt ports and all, and, you know, higher storage limitations, You can give it more RAM. You can maybe put more RAM on the package, but you can take the RAM off the package for the high-end machines. These are all things that Apple can do with the basic underpinnings of the M1 architecture, the M1 suffix architecture. All those things are possible. Uh, But it seems to me right now that for, obviously the rest of this year, but for all of 2021, I do not expect, except for maybe the tail end, I do not expect to see any Macs that come with anything other than a14 cores and those same gpu cores in different arrangements with different io and different ram sizes which to be clear is fine those will all be faster <laughs> they'll be the fastest max apple has ever made <laughs> and they'll be awesome and you can scale them up to everything except the mac pro which is a real problem that it's probably not gonna happen until 2022 but that's my current thinking on this as i said before this presentation I, feel free to surprise me Apple feel free to roll out the M2 M3 and M4 all next year it'll be awesome I will be cheering you on totally new core architectures everything just amazing stuff that I've never seen before but I am not getting my hopes up for that
1: no I think you're exactly right I think it's it's mm-hmm. most sensible like we were going to see exactly what they've done with the iPad what they are doing here which is this is the M1 and the other products that are going to be released you know maybe next spring or summer or whatever it is are going to be the M1X or something similarly named or similarly functioning, where it is the exact same cores as the M1, just more of them, and we'll see how they how they scale RAM and GPU performance. You know, as I said earlier, and as you said, like I, I don't think it's out of the question that they would have like you know maybe maybe in the the models that currently have discrete GPUs, so iMac's the 16-inch MacBook Pro, the Mac Pro, maybe they have an architecture where the higher end chips have more cores on the chip. And they move some of the stuff that's in the chip now out of package, and so you know, so the RAM is the, one of the biggest things to move out. Then, we, then you can make a bigger die to have more CPU cores, and to solve some of your higher end performance needs, you probably move the GPU out as well into its own chip, and then you have higher end cpu or you have more cpu cores available for for reasonable die size in the chip and then you have a a whole separate chip to make an even higher end gpu to be able to compete for high-end workloads there in that way and i think that's your answer then and 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 the ram is also off package um then you can basically make things like the 16 inch the way they've been made you know this the 16 inch has had a separate gpu and off package ram and the 15-inch before that always had the same thing, with the exception of the handful of models that had integrated graphics as an option. But um, for the most part, like that's how these models have always been made, and it's been fine. And you can take that exact same architecture and scale it up to basically whatever level you need for that product. You can, you know, you can fit probably easily eight of the high-performance cores into an M1 that didn't need to have a GPU in it. Um, and so, you know, the more you, the more you can separate out from the main package. And in, into separate chips on the board, whether they're slotted or socketed or not, the higher end perform- performance you can achieve. And so I think that's most likely where this goes next, that at some point next year, we have an M1X that has pushed some of the stuff that's in the package now out of the package in order to offer more of everything.
2: I don't think anything is getting pushed out except for RAM next year. I think the, the entire 16 inch line next year will have uh, the GPU will be on die. Like, I, I know what you're saying, and it's totally possible, and I think they have to do it for the Mac Pro, but for the 16-inch, quote-unquote, integrated GPU only is is my guess. Um, the, the other uh, possibility with the naming is interesting that we talked about uh, BMW before. BMW has, you know, the M3, the 3 Series, right? Very recently, BMW decided, you know what? When we take the M3 and give it two doors, that's not the M3 Coupe anymore. <laughs> now it's the M4. Yeah. it's like wait what why is that the m4 makes total sense like, you subtract two has, doors and add one to the number right it has fewer doors but the number is higher like normally like the, the five series is bigger than the three series is bigger than the two series is bigger than the one series it all makes sense but the quote-unquote four series is not bigger than the three series in fact it's smaller in some ways because it's got the two doors it doesn't make any sense anyway apple could because it's just the marketing name come out with essentially the m1x and just call it the m2 there's no rules about this stuff right they can do it i mean <laughs> under the covers it would just be you know the a14 core like it would it, you know we can look at it we'll figure out what it actually is they can call it the m2 if they want we don't have precedent right all we've got is this one point so far we don't have a line yet right so it's possible that apple could do that it seems less likely than sticking letters on the end of it but who knows if you want to make a big splash with the 16 inch macbook pro With its you know huge number of cores and amazing integrated GPU, the fastest integrated GPU ever made, blah 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 blah. And you want to call it the M2, but it's really just an M1 with more stuff inside it. Sure, go ahead.
0: All right, so what'd you order, John?
2: I actually want to give one one quick technical note here. From this is a tweet from Longhorn. I think his his thing is uh, never underscore released on Twitter. You should follow him. Whoever this person is, they seem to know a lot about this stuff. But. uh, one one uh, check in on the security stuff they talked about this in the keynote oh we made our ios devices so secure and now Macs will be secure too and blah 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 and there's big sir with its you know secure boot image and all that other stuff um there was people were still worried about okay but if i want to just do development work myself and not like not be in super security mode can i write my own kernel extensions can i recompile the kernel can i can i boot basically a quote-unquote untrusted operating system Uh, And according to Longhorn, on on all these ARM Macs, there is no, all the security checks are turned off mode. What you can do, however, is take your unsigned operating system kernel and bless it yourself so that the secure boot policy allows you to boot. It's kind of like a self-signed certificate in SSL if you're a web developer and understand what I'm talking about, right? These ARM Macs will not boot a non-secured operating system image, but... You can make your own secured operating system image with your own changes in it if you're that type <laughs> of, of hacker. Um, huh. And one one title note, uh, final note, the A14 has four kilobyte page support. So I know we were talking about how we couldn't boot Windows on the DDK because the page support wasn't right. You still can't boot Windows as far as I know, but that particular limitation, as we suspected, does not exist in the shipping ARM Max. It was just a DDK thing. That's interesting. Hmm, all right. So your move, Microsoft. <laughs> Thanks to our
1: sponsors this week, Bombus, Mac Weldon, and Flatfile. And thank you to our members who support us directly. You can become one if you'd like to at atp.fm/slash join. And we will talk to you next week.
2: Now the show is over. They didn't even mean to begin
1: because it was accidental. accidental. Oh, it was accidental.
0: accidental.
1: John didn't. Marco and Casey wouldn't let him Cause it was accidental Accidental. It was accidental
2: Accidental. And you can find the show notes at ATP.FM And if you're into Twitter You can follow them At
1: C-A-S-E-Y-L I-S-S, so that's Casey Liss, M A R C O A R M
0: E N T Marco Arment,
1: S-I-R-A-C, USA
0: Syracuse. It's accidental, accidental, they didn't mean to. Accidental, accidental, tech podcast, so long. What we got for, Oh, we have a post show. That's right. I put it in there.
1: I suppose we should talk about what we ordered.
2: Yeah, that's what we should talk about. That's our post show. (laughs) That's what everyone's demanding. (laughs) But this is a
0: timely thing. It's a timely thing. We can do both. Uh,
2: We'll we'll get the order done quickly.
0: Screw it, we'll do it. Oh, okay. Okay, you heard it here first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'll get the order done quickly. John, what'd you order?
2: I ordered a MacBook Air because it is basically perfect for what I wanted. I wanted a computer for the kids to use. Uh, and I just wanted it to be an ARM-based MacBook Air that's good. And bonus, it has way better battery life and has no fan in it. Um, so I got uh, the 16 gig, obviously, 16 gigs of RAM, 1 terabyte SSD, uh, Space Gray. And it's coming on the 18th, and I am looking forward to my children accidentally destroying it. Um, <laughs> I, I ordered it uh, like within moments of the end of the keynote. I just fired up a store, and as soon as the store came up, uh, i ordered it i ordered it in such a hurry that a i ordered it on the wrong apple id i ordered it on my developer apple id and i hope i can <gasps> oh no. transfer you know when you go to your apple id and it shows you like all your computers i hope yeah, i can yeah. like make it go on the list with my my other apple id my non-developer one and b i forgot to buy apple care so as soon as the computer comes i have to buy the apple care retroactively which apparently you can do up to 60 days after you get the mm-hmm. mac but you I can't do it on
0: most devices.
2: You can't do it until you get the Mac because they ask you for the serial number. So, anyway, hmm. that's what I got.
1: Oh, also, worth pointing out any orders placed now are under the extended uh, return policy for the holidays in the US, at least. Uh, so, anything you buy now, you can return until like early January.
0: Oh, that's true. I forgot about that.
1: You Remember that saved my butt last year with my defective 16-inch?
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I had
1: gotten it, like, the day it started.
0: <laughs> All right, so, John, we knew that you were looking for a computer for your children, although from the sounds of it, you might be stealing it from them. Now, Marco, I honestly don't recall what your laptop scenario was. So can you, before you tell me if and what, uh, well, knowing you, what you bought, <laughs> can you recap for me what the laptop scenario was in the armed household?
1: I use a 16-inch. Tiff uses a previous year 15-inch. And with the exception of TIFF's laptop having to to be serviced recently uh, for a defective logic board, uh, otherwise they have been fine. And we are both fairly stable in that. Um, Our plan was whenever they update the 16-inch, at least she would get one, and I would probably end up getting one as well. And then we'd sell the two Intel 1s, but um, that didn't happen yet. And so when I look at what my needs are, uh, I don't want to go smaller on my laptop. I'm very happy with the big one. I've, I've lived a lot of years in the 13 inch size class and it's nice for a lot of reasons but my my current needs and priorities I'm just happier with the bigger one um as for development needs though you know i I'm a software developer and I have a couple of little mac utility apps and I have a big iOS app that I need to care about and so I need some kind of hardware to use as a development platform for my apps and and to test things and everything and ideally I would love for that to just be my computer I would love to upgrade my main desktop or my main laptop to be that but they didn't release anything that I would consider suitable for that purpose yet um, so although we'll see you know once these things actually get here we'll see but the main problem with the desktop is the damn display I, I hate the LG5k I don't want to haul it out to the beach um i don't want to use on a day-to-day basis i have done that before i don't like it for lots of reasons not least of which is that it's a buggy piece of crap Um, but (laughs) anyway so they didn't release anything that can replace my iMac pro they didn't release a desktop that has a good monitor story that i could replace the whole setup with and they didn't release a laptop that's a direct replacement for what i want instead of getting the mac mini and like like I have the DTK, which is uh, which is a Mac Mini, and I I've kind of shamefully not used it very much because using it through like screen sharing on, on my computer is terrible. <laughs> I don't have enough space here in the office to have a second monitor, you know, just for that. I don't, I don't want a whole second setup like keyboard, mouse, monitor. I don't want to, I don't want a whole thing like that. Um, and so I passed on the mini. Because I would use it as much as I use this DTK, which is unfortunately not enough, and I didn't want to, you know, buy a seven thousand dollar screen to use with it, <laughs> or use the LG one, which I don't like. Um, so I was considering the two mo- the two laptops, and I thought, okay, well, for performance reasons, the Pro, the thirteen inch Pro, is probably the one to get. When I do use it, i I'm planning on actually doing software development on it. Presumably Apple's going to want the DDK back pretty soon. So I'm about to lose my ARM development platform, we assume. We haven't heard anything yet, but we assume that's probably what's going to happen. Um, And so I'm I'm going to want some kind of ARM Mac to compile my software on, to test it on, and to ship it to the App Store with uh, until I can get my replacement uh, desktop whenever that happens. And so so I'm I'm going to go for a laptop, and I'm going to do my development on that. So clearly the right answer is the 13-inch Pro. But the 13-inch Pro is not very exciting to me. The Air is exciting. The Air is fanless. And it and even though it's it's not a big difference, it also feels better. Like, it feels thinner and lighter, you know, at least assuming they feel the same, as, because given that they, they're the exact same dimensions and weight, they probably do feel the same. Um, so, you know, assuming it, it's probably still going to feel a lot better. And even though the Air is a lower-end machine and will perform worse, I think it'll make me make it just happier as like a a novel new thing because it is not only this whole new architecture, but it's fanless. And I also thought the Air might be more likely to have a longer lifespan in my household because what I'm really doing by picking one of these laptops is getting something temporary. I don't want to be using an Air full-time for myself for the entire next two years or three years or whatever it would be. Once there's a 16-inch replacement, I'm going to get that. In all likelihood, unless, again, unless major things change in what they do with it, but they probably won't. So, what I'm looking for now is really a temporary laptop to be an ARM development machine for a little while, until they release higher-end stuff. And even though for development, the Pro is almost certainly better for performance and fan reasons, the Air is the cooler one i think not temperature wise it almost certainly won't be but (laughs) but it is like the cooler one in like terms of awesomeness like and, and novelty and advancement in like how these things work and feel so i went for the air i figure after i'm done with it either i'll sell it or i'll trade it into apple or whatever or maybe that might become adam's first laptop you know depending on what his needs are and you know when i'm when i'm done with it
2: Yeah, you got a homework laptop too
1: yeah possibly yeah so we'll, well see what happens the happened. difference is that yours is maxed out in every spec no i didn't i only got the um one terabyte disc not the two.
2: Oh my goodness you're really really skimping on adam's laptop here it's like four hundred dollars tell him about this your dad decided because you might use his laptop you don't deserve two terabytes no i wow. said i figured i didn't deserve two terabytes
1: i don't even i always get one on all my laptops so far i like i've got either 512 or one terabyte
2: i just figured you would max it out because it's, it's the cheaper one you did get the eight core gpu though right Oh yeah, and and the sixteen yeah, gigs of RAM. Me too, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't want a seven core. No, <laughs> I don't want a broken GPU core in my computer.
1: No, you it, know, it, it was more because like I, I couldn't tell you about the GPU honestly, but it, it was more for the um, five twelve or for the for the higher storage and the higher RAM. It basically made the price. I think it's the same price once you spec it up. So anyway, it was uh, that's it. So I ordered the MacBook Air, and I took a bit of a risk. I ordered it in gold. Um, I've never oh, had a gold laptop. Oh,
0: I. Uh, oh, 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 I can't get behind that at all. You do you, but I can't get behind that.
1: So I didn't I didn't like the shade of gold they used on the 12-inch MacBook. Um but when they switched over to 13-inch, they they tweaked the 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 color of it. And every time I've seen it in person, I'm like, "Ooh, that's kind of nice." Like it and it looks different in different lighting. Like sometimes it looks a little bit rosy, sometimes it doesn't, like but it's it's a cool-looking color i'm doing everything differently here i'm getting the lowest end product i'm getting an air it's it's going to be like a probably temporary thing it's like putting it's like getting a different outfit for like one night out (laughs) you know like this is my this is my like weird you know winter 2020 temporary laptop that i'm going to develop arm stuff on and then i'm probably only going to have it for nine months or something like that so uh, you know we'll see we'll see what happens. So I, I kind of figured it would be a fun little diversion. and it helps it look more different because it's more different than anything else I've ever had. So it, it kind of helps the novelty factor as well.
0: Fair enough. So a couple of weeks ago, uh, my name is T in the chat. Uh, made a request for this episode, which I thought we could at least try to honor. Uh, they said after show request for the week after next, uh, two Wednesdays from now is the tenth anniversary of the first build and analyze episode. So, Happy Quasi anniversary. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, and it would be great to hear some reflections on ten years of podcasting, how it's changed, what surprised you, etc. Um, I don't I think I'm the least well equipped as the newest of the three of us to podcasting to answer this. And obviously, since this is you know kind of centered around build and analyze, it makes most sense for you to start, Marco. So any thoughts on ten years of podcasting?
1: Huh. I didn't prepare for this at all because I didn't think we would get to it. <laughs> as we are <laughs> over two and a half hours into the show. It might be worth having a quick little celebration now and actually talking about this next week.
0: <laughs> right, well, Fair enough. Well, congratulations and happy anniversary. John, do you want a chance to get in on this or no?
2: I guess, is this your way of saying you didn't order anything?
0: No, I didn't order anything. you nuts? Of course not. Hey, well, I, I don't nothing. know.
2: How could you not get this MacBook Air? It is basically <laughs> you're adorable but good. Yeah,
0: but I want more ports. Uh, I, I, more I than really you, you got,
2: more you got two instead of one. That's uh, more. It's 100 percent more. I mean, I guess it's heavier. I guess it's not. It's not as as sleek as the as the adorable was. Oh,
1: it's a lot heavier. Casey, you said earlier that you thought it was a little bit heavier. It's 2.0 versus 2.8 pounds. It's a lot heavier. Well, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, but I'm used to this 13 inch MacBook Pro now for all its benefits and drawbacks, and I just bought it six months ago. Yeah, I don't know. I know. Like yeah. I could well, read. I could go mar- the mark away and like resell it or whatever, but. I don't know, man. I, I, I really do like this Mac this MacBook Pro that I have. What does I mean,
2: your 13-inch have? What are the specs?
0: It's Oh, God, I don't even remember. It was a good uh, one. It was t- a high-end one, right? It, it was a pretty good one. So uh, let me look here. So it's a 2-gigahertz quad-core to- quad Intel Core i5, 32 gigs of video memory, um how much actual memory i'm sorry 30 32 gigs re- regular memory um apparently i'm getting tired at the end of this episode even though we're recording it four hours earlier than normal <laughs> uh, so anyway uh yeah so it's uh 32 gigs ram and a one terabyte uh, ssd
2: yeah i mean i the ram is the real thing is going to kill you and i that's why i'm not recommending you upgrade but honestly this air is going to stomp all over that computer in every area except for ram where if you're using 32 gigs of ram and doing lots of stuff which is not that hard to do if you're doing a bunch of development have a 1000 chrome tabs open and whatever else and have 20 copies of your app running in simulators um i can see that but yeah when when marco gets his you two should before the show come up with some sort of representative tasks like i don't know build some publicly accessible app in, in, in Xcode or something and compare no, I don't want your, your quote-unquote high-end 13-inch. Well,
1: I'll, I'll build Overcast on my 16-inch because I have a command line build script that can do it for benchmarking. So I'll build mm-hmm. Overcast on the 16-inch and then I'll build it on that and I'll, I'll let you know what it does. <laughs>
2: Uh, but but he's got a 13 inch, not the 16 inch, and so
1: I know. But that's anyway. why it'll be even better when the air embarrasses it. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> no, it's not no going to
2: be. I, I feel like compiling is is you know is highly multi-threaded with parallel processes being forked off and everything. Right, we'll see. Well, but only I'm, in short bursts though. Like a lot of it is just like shuffling data around, and so it's you need like
1: SSD performance and memory throughput and stuff like that. You need a whole bunch. Of, it's kind of like whole system performance gets stressed there. Yeah, you know, there there are big chunks of it that are that you know you see all the cores max out for like fifteen seconds here in the middle, and then it goes back to other stuff. But you know, it is certainly more than just that. So it would not surprise me if I'm not sure if the air is going to beat my my eight core <laughs> uh, MacBook Pro or my ten core iMac Pro, but I bet it's going to actually put on a pretty good showing if it doesn't beat it. So that's what I want to see.
0: Well, you know, it's funny you say that because as you're talking, I'm thinking to myself about you writing Swift UI and Swift in general and I I don't think it's going to be faster than your iMac Pro and certainly the screen real estate will be night and day different but I there's a, there's a, a universe that we could splinter into in in just a few weeks where suddenly you come sheepishly to this very program and say I've stopped using my iMac Pro because the, <laughs> the darn MacBook Air is so much faster and well, so much screen, better. Screen space is going to keep them on. I there. know. I you know. Can, I can
2: know. go back to looking through that tiny, tiny little porthole into the world. Yeah. Like the, the, the
1: true, the true, like, you know, res- resignment and giving up and defeat for me will be when I get my LG 5K here for one of the new Mac minis. That's true. That's, that's
0: true. <laughs> that's when, you know, I've,
1: I've just given up like, oh, man, I, I just couldn't do it anymore.
0: Uh, that's true. I, I really do kind of mean it, though. I see a, a future wherein you could decide, because I I agree from what I know of you, and I like to think I know you pretty well, that real estate is a big deal for you. But with all respect, you are not the most patient human I've ever met. And so <laughs> <laughs> I, think, Fair. I think that uh, I, if if somehow builds of Overcast are considerably quicker on this MacBook Air, which is not entirely implausible, I could see you, well, actually, I think you're right, that the more likely thing you would do is just get a new Mac Mini and, you know, some, you know take the 5K from home or whatever and bring it to, the, to where you are. But nevertheless, I could see a reality wherein you decide to just go all in on developing on this Mac Mini, real estate be damned.
1: That, that would only be if it's a lot faster, though. And honestly, I don't think it's going to be a lot faster because there is a parallelism advantage that I have significantly in the iMac Pro. Yeah.
2: And a, a lot of compiling is IO bound because you've got all these files and you got, you know, this, there's lots of, you're reading files in and writing files out and as multi-threaded as you want, like how much faster, you know, I'd, compiling is not going to probably play to these machines strength. Uh, but I, I think it'll be competitive. But for for you, Casey, all, all I'm doing is endorsing the idea that even though you just got this computer, I think you should be open to the idea of selling the 13 inch in a couple months and buying whatever the equivalent to less expensive computer that is better in all possible ways. Again, the Ram, the Ram is hampering you, but it, you know, it's you, you can, you know, don't feel tied to this 13
0: inches, what I'm saying. And, and uh, I, and I mentally, I don't, but I don't know. I I've never hold held onto a computer for only a handful of months. I mean, it's something that people can do. You like, it's try it. been it's done fun. before, but yeah. I <laughs> see. That's the other thing. I don't want to rip that Band-Aid off because it's a slippery slope. He can't but. even
2: hold on to his phone or his watch. Apparently,
0: so. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, too soon, but don't, um, don't, don't wash any cars with your new laptop. Yeah,
2: just take
1: the laptop true. out, wash your car, put it in your pocket, <laughs> yeah. and
2: and then I'll be things fine. Will solve Aaron's problems. car is at it again. It destroyed my laptop. <laughs> it, it, it,
0: it, it, it might run it over. You never know. It's actually <laughs> funny though because. Uh, Sitting here today, I consider 32 gigs RAM table stakes for a computer that I would want to use. But is that really the case? Like, is is that just some sort of vestigial, like, old... Are you
2: on your computer now or are you on your
0: iMac? I'm on my iMac.
2: If you open up your laptop and go to Activity Monitor and see what your situation is. Now, here's the thing with RAM measurement. Unused RAM is wasted RAM. So in all conditions, no matter how much RAM your computer has, it should be using all of it. The question is how much of it is used for like file caches and stuff like that versus how much of it is used for actual applications that you're using so it's not always easy to say oh i, I opened up my computer and i'm using all the ram therefore i must always need a computer like we do with the storage on our phones like how much storage you're using ram is different the operating system's goal is to use all the ram at all the times because there's always something you can be caching right uh, the real question is are you pushing into swap you know are you paging anything out you know like it, it's it's hard it's harder to make that assessment but The easy way to do it is to just launch all the apps that you expect to launch and before you even start using them before you start warming up the file caches then look after like a fresh reboot how much ram that takes and how much you expect them to expand um i get what you're saying though like i i said when i bought my mac pro that i i no longer have to think about ram because i got enough that my workload fits in it and not having to think about ram is great um And so I fully endorse at least 32 for the stuff that you're doing, just because why even have to worry about it? Right, exactly. But it's possible you could live in 16 and not notice too much of a difference, but you'd be thinking about it.
1: See, I've had 16 on my laptops forever, um, and it's been fine in a secondary role. But on my iMac Pro, I have 64 because I thought, Thanks. I'm going to need more, and yep. I might as well, like, the price difference wasn't huge, and you know, I knew would, I would have it for a long time, so it's fine. And actually, and currently, according to Activity Monitor, I'm using 37 of that. Um, but, you know, again, it's it's tricky. So where
0: are you where in Activity Monitor are you looking to get that? Memory?
1: I'm looking under the Memory tab down at the bottom. You have Physical Memory, and then you have Memory Used. But I don't know if that includes the cached files that's below that. I don't think it does.
2: I mean, what, how, what does it say for Swap Used? 149 megs.
0: See, on my laptop, I see swap used of a gigabyte. I don't have Xcode up. This is like my... It, it, the laptop is currently in like second computer social networking web browsing mode. And right now I am memory used, uh, 18 and a half gigs swap used one gig. Whereas on the iMac pro, which is recording three, uh, two different ways. It's, it's got all two different browsers open. I don't actually have Xcode up right now. It has Skype. It has uh visual studio code. I am at 21 gigs. Oh, actually almost 27 gigs used and swap used zero.
2: Yeah. I'm at swap zero as well on my 96 gig, uh, no, like, and <laughs> i hope so <laughs> i mean it when i looking at the memory view i you know i should send you a screenshot of the the chrome section you know it's, it's in the hierarchy hierarchical by process name and the chrome section doesn't fit in the window <laughs> wow. but it's more than one process per tab but a vt decode xpc service for some video thing mtl compiler service like who knows what these are but yeah there's a lot of tabs <laughs>
0: Yeah. So I, I th- what I was going to say earlier just to put a period on the end of the sentence is, you know, I, I tell you that I need 32 gigs of RAM, but I don't really have any empirical evidence to back that up. And if the CPU scream in the in the SSDs scream as much as we're being told they do, maybe I don't. Maybe I'd be fine with 16 and it's. I don't want to, you know, roll the dice by paying between one and two thousand dollars and going on a wing and a prayer. Especially since I have something that really does work quite well. I really, really do like this laptop quite a lot. Um, but you make a good point that I might not need thirty-two gigs RAM. And I think if they released an equivalent of this computer today, and for the, all the reasons we already discussed, I understand why they didn't. But if they had a four-port MacBook Pro, thirteen-inch MacBook Pro preferably that i could put 32 gigs ram into i might have already bought it if i if they had the four port with only 16 gigs ram i would have thought about it real hard but i don't think it would have pulled the trigger this
2: is, brings up a point you mentioned uh how much ram these new macs might be using i've seen a lot of people tweeting about this and i think people are somewhat confused they're like well uh you know ios devices don't have a lot of ram so if these new arm macs quote-unquote use ram like an ios device maybe a 16 gig mac will be the same as a 32 intel mac and i'm here to tell you don't get your hopes up uh because (laughs) the thing the things like the way ios devices use ram has to do with the operating system and the app runtime environment as less to do with the architecture of the cpu These Macs still run macOS. macOS manages memory the same way it always has. macOS has made tons of advancements to try to be more like iOS with sudden termination and automatic termination and all sorts of other things that try to make it more iOS-like, but it's not iOS-like. And being uh, 64-bit only helps, too, because you don't have to have copies of the 32-bit libraries, but you get that same benefit on Intel Macs now with uh, the operating systems that don't support 32-bit. So do not expect these ARM Macs to be massively different in terms of memory usage if you're running the same apps and doing the same stuff the memory usage is going to be similar to what it was on on intel max running the same operating system um but you know 64 bit compared to 64 bit like if you cut up 32 bit libraries um that said there is a possibility that you know you know mentioned like what if i go into swap are these ssds faster than the ssds in the intel max maybe i mean these are newer macs the ssds could be faster they but they they
1: said during the macbook air segment up to twice as fast ssds but that's because the previous macbook air had actually very slow ssds like during they actually updated it at one point and made them slower (laughs) so (laughs) and they didn't say anything about the ssds on the mac mini or the 13 inch pro so I'm guessing we're looking at roughly the same SSDs.
2: So so if you have one of those MacBook Airs with the slower SSD, this new MacBook Air may swap faster. But
0: honestly, you really just want to stay at a swap, period.